crickets and the rust beetle scuttled among the nettles of the sage thicket. Vaminos, vamigos, he whispered, and threw the busted leather flinch craw over the loose weave of the saddle crock, and they rode on in the friscalating dusk light. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Um, I'm RJ. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're getting uh, familiar with our families once again. As we watch Spine 157 in the Criterion Collection, Wes Anderson's The Royal Tenenbaums from 2001. But first, hi, Frank. What's up? Frank Frank Solano is returned. Mm-hmm. He's back. I'm back. He couldn't resist. And uh, RJ is stuffing his face full of food. Okay, so listen. Jarrett has this ironclad schedule that I'm trying my best. And I'm trying to live my life. And I'm making huge sacrifices, and I couldn't even eat my dinner. So now I'm eating it, and you guys are going to listen. Because, frankly, I don't give a shit. How's that sound, Jarrett? I, I guess we have no other choice. Uh, what are you eating over there? What are you, what are you holding? I have kind of a mixture of foods. I have, um... Andy got me some Dairy Queen, because I was running late. Um, which doesn't help my image of being a huge fat guy, but... <laughs> I got some onion rain action and a flamethrower. And uh, I don't know how what Frank thinks about the spiciness level. I think it's it's a good taste. I don't think it's scorching hot. Not my class, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Could you get any of that? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting all those disgusting chewing sounds that I'm sure are is forcing people to either uh, turn off or fast forward past it. So that's it's all not good. It's disgusting. It's part of life. Uh, Frank, why aren't you eating anything? Mm, I don't know. I wasn't feeling very well earlier. I think I might have eaten too many burritos. Well, there you go. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, three three is a, a regular number for me of anything. So, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. Just I mean, whatever, I, you order three, no matter what? Yep. Yeah, I like three. Uh, it's a good number. It's a good rule to live by. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> well, mm-hmm. how how's everyone's week been? Not not food related. Uh, I've been pretty good, Jared. I don't have a whole lot going on with me other than uh, I've been busy, as we've mentioned on the show before. Everyone's getting I've... used to that uh, daylight sa- daylight savings time. Well, so a lot of people complain, and I get it, but I also worked in a circadian rhythm lab, and when you have jet lag and stuff like for time changes or daylight savings. All it takes is for every hour, it's a day. So after Monday, people should be back on tracks. So my point is stop complaining, Jarrett. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, this year, it really hit hard. Uh, I was just what, dead. for you? Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never, I used to be like you. I used to be like, yeah, suck it up, kids. But now I'm like, <laughs> oh, I just don't want to leave my bed. Well, I Maybe. didn't say- Sorry, Maybe you just uh, need to eat a little more, man, because, you know, food's energy. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you should have onion rings for side snacking mm. while you pod. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I, I never I never meant to say that I'm not tired. Um, I just, I'm just saying we shouldn't be. Right. We use these excuses to lift ourselves up, Jarrett. Yeah. And how's, yeah. Your, how's your week been, Frank? It's been good. A lot of a lot of movies uh, been watched. Sucks that Letterbox is down as oh. of right now. Yeah, it's got the the uh, 
Jake LaMotta graphic on right now, as opposed to the the Gremlin, <laughs> which is like the unscheduled maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, such is life, though. Uh, and since no one asked, uh, my week's been hectic, uh, pinball tournaments, and a whole bunch of other shit. Final nights of fighting fighting bosses on, at D&D that uh, I know you all greatly love to hear about. Nobody cares about that. And frankly, I'm glad Frank is here because we've been talking. And uh, I think the show is really starting to suffer because your your lack of commitment. Well, it's not You're gonna... coming in late. You're doing things that are noisy and distracting to the podcast. You're not watching movies anymore. I know. Frankly, we've had it with you. You're saying frankly a lot. Are you are you trying to say something about Frank? Maybe. Maybe he's going to take over the show. Wow. <laughs> See, your replacement's been had. Excellent. But you still have to edit and, oh. and do all the other things. <laughs> yeah, you're still, uh, still uh, handcuffed up to that desk there <sighs> for the rest of your life. Uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> so what did happen in D&D, Jared? Tell we, us. We beat uh, the final boss. We uh, hit, uh, I guess, like a level now where our DM had planned out our whole thing for like, I guess, the last nine months, and we hit the point where he uh, finished. And now uh, we're going to let me take the reins and run of stuff myself. So give us a sneak peek into the campaign. What are you doing, like ghouls and goblins and stuff, or what? Uh, n- well, was what it going to be night one? Is going to be uh, what we call a funnel where a bunch of uh, villagers, level zero characters, all gather together to try to survive a horrific encounter. Okay, never mind. I don't care. There you go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You see, the fans at home can't see, but this entire time, Jarrett has had like a huge smile on his face (laughs) as he's talking about this stuff. Because it brings me, it, 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 it brings me actual joy, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. That's not what this podcast was has ever been. About. I, I think I, I think the fact that uh, it mildly annoys you also brings me joy. <laughs> do you, do you guys? Uh, I'm just yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Frank. Uh, do you guys want to know the extent of my knowledge of D and D? Sure, absolutely. I read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Yep. As a child, and they mentioned it. In like two chapters, and that's where that's all I have. <laughs> okay, that's all I know about it. Well, well, aside from like seeing the books they sell at the the stores, but you know they keep those hidden where people can't see them, and then stop going to those stores. Right. <laughs> you you never find anything good at those stores, especially the people, especially the people who work at those. Stores. They are the worst kind of people. Bad, right you say they're bad on real race. Jarrett types. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Just the worst kind of people. Uh see, and now uh, Jared's face is slowly Sad. like turning into a frown. Good. <laughs> He's never done well, anything for anyone. So let's let, let's let's not uh, talk anymore about bad people. Let's talk about <laughs> the good good people, the good listeners of our podcast who write in. Mm-hmm. So, email number one from Rupa Patel. It begins, hello, hmm. this is Oliver's wife. Uh-oh. <laughs> what did you do, Jared? Uh-oh, no. <laughs> okay, just thought I'd say hi. I'm slowly getting through your back catalog and have to say it's refreshing listening to a film podcast compared to my usual dark and morbid ones. And thank you for suggesting Dr. Death. I just started listening today and it seems great so far. On another note, and seeing as today is International Women's Day, I thought I'd add in on what RJ said about Ghostbusters allegedly getting low ratings because it was female-led. 
RJ, mm -hmm. I challenge you to have a look at the IMD ratings and reviews for the film and find a male lead film with the same reaction. I had a quick look and compared it to the 2017 Mummy remake, which in my opinion was far worse. While the rating is similar to Ghostbusters, mm. Ghostbusters received over double the amount of negative user reviews. The issue here is that by most accounts, both remakes were bad, but people are using that to justify hating it more than they would have if it was a male-led film. Anyway, keep up the good work. I confess I only started listening to uh, to some past uh, some time, but I've found myself really enjoying it and have gone back to the beginning to listen to them all. I guess I'll have to start watching the upcoming films along with Oliver now. I bet he's not going to be too happy about that. Why, thank you, Rupa, for writing in. Yeah, thank you for writing in. It's always nice to hear from some new people. Um, okay, I think I know what she's talking about. And I was She's calling you out, RJ. Yes, I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> what's going on here. Uh, so I think what I was talking about was how they were using... It seemed like they were spinning the negative reviews in the light where it was like, oh, it's just all those people who are hammering down on it. But uh, I don't know. She probably she probably has a point. I am not above admitting some fault. So maybe I was wrong. That's fine. Uh, I'll take your guys' word for it. I've never seen that movie, so I have no actual input. I know Jared has seen it, well, uh, uh, but Jared doesn't like anything, so he's not a very fair judge either. So it's true. Um, I'll take your word for it, and uh, I guess I don't know. I'll try to be better, but. Jarrett has frequently, especially if she's listening from the start, Jarrett has always frequently tried to insinuate that I have some kind of chauvinistic mentality and it gets brought up in my movie reviews, which is quite false. But uh, <laughs> now that she now that it's out there and she's going back, I don't know. I think Jarrett's going to poison poison the well on that one. <laughs> But I'm done my burger, and I'm uh, I can admit that maybe I was wrong. So, what are you gonna do? There you go. What do you, What do you think, Frank? Does RJ hate women? Mm, he gave uh, Ichi a one star, so maybe not. <laughs> yeah, see, Jerry, I love. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna say I love women. <laughs> I love women. I do. <laughs> I uh, my spouse is a woman. Wow. Yeah. What does our next email have to say? Aaron Lang. Another new emailer? Hey, guys. Been meaning to write for a while to tell you I enjoy the show. I first discovered the podcast after watching The Night Porter. I was Googling mm -hmm. around looking for more info on the film where I stumbled on your episode covering it. First things first, Night Porter is the best movie ever made. Just kidding. Oh, no. Your criticisms were pretty valid, <laughs> though I do hey, like the good. movie, at least the first half. My true reason for writing is petty. I just ordered a few DVDs from Criterion's recent flash sale. Uh, naming Crumb, Salo, Mulholland Drive, The Killing. I own all four of those. Uh, and both Crumb and Salo had, like, had this sticky sticker goo on the inside of the cellophane where the spine is. I've noticed this problem before, and also in some Shout Factory releases. When removing the cellophane, thin little pieces remain stuck to the spine. Ah, yes. And there's mm. a, a little goo residue in places. Have you had this problem? It's really fucking annoying. I know this is a fussy complaint, <laughs> stereotypical of the perceived neurotic type uh, criterion collector. But what can I say? It's really obnoxious. I don't expect some $8 Walmart DVD to be all perfect, but criterion shit is expensive, and they take so much care in every other detail. It leaves me flummoxed. Ack. Thanks for letting me vent my grievances. Very best, Aaron Lang. Why, thanks, first-time writer Aaron. Um, yes, I do know about that, like, weird, like, kind of, like, thin 
spinal like plastic crap that winds up on the spine. I I don't know. It's it's cutting corners. Maybe it's part of the sealing process and it should just like pop off, but maybe they add a little bit too much glue. Um I don't know. Uh, I know RJ doesn't buy movies because I buy all the movies and he just borrows them from me, so he doesn't get to deal with that problem by the time he gets them. Mm-hmm. Though sometimes he does get totally brand new sealed movies from me that I haven't even opened up. But I know Frank, you're you're into the uh, the physical media side of things. Uh, do you know of the Aaron's uh, problem here? I know of a solution. What's that? Order a giant pack of clear blue. Blu-ray, DVD, whatever you're buying, just order a pack of new ones, and then you don't have to deal with all that. You just, you know, move the slipcover oh, from you, one you, to the you other. You gotta get the right. Uh, you gotta get that those like Amore cases for the Criterion's. They're like, they're That's good. true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to get That's those ones. True. And it's like, you know what? I don't think he should have to do that. Maybe uh, <laughs> the company should be doing their jobs properly. So uh, the only thing that, like, uh, we all know about security tabs on the top of the DVDs that, like, still are mm. there. Even though you order stuff online, there's no need to have a security tab. Um, those are the shits. Um, mm-hmm. And Criterion, it was always it was actually a nice thing, though, when a Criterion would have theirs because it would have, like, the black band and have Criterion written in that. So when you were, like, mm-hmm. at a store that would stack them um, so you couldn't see all of them by the spine, it was by the top, you'd always know the Criterion ones because they had a black on the top. And you're like, hey, there it is. But this is, of course, when there were stores that would still sell Criterions. Uh, now you have to order everything online. So that is a era that is long gone. <sighs> Always. Interesting. I know. <laughs> For sure. Quite. Hey, Jared, is Aaron spelt A-A-R or E-R? A-A. Okay. Aaron needs to let us know if uh, what country they're from. Okay. So we can add to the growing list of uh, global domination. That's right. That's, oh, <laughs> is, that's what you've been doing this whole time? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. But no, I have no input on that because as you pointed out, I don't buy movies. But uh, yeah, when I open your movies, sometimes it's really frustrating. Sometimes it's really frustrating. When was the last time you bought a movie, RJ? Who, me? Uh, I did buy one not too long ago. What was it? Um, oh, The Creeps by Charles Band. That oh. movie where it's... Uh, we'll get there. We'll get maybe, there. maybe next Halloween we'll get there. You guys can look that up on your own. Oh, but you, that was the last one you, I bought. You bought it for Halloween you didn't even watch it. No, I didn't. We just just didn't have time, man. Sad. Just didn't have time. But it was only five bucks or something. Yeah. So why mm. not? Well, then. Outstanding. Last email. Sam Sanchez. Hey, guys. Just writing in response to Frank's question regarding your guys' recommendations. Honestly Uh speaking, I don't think I've ever watched anything or avoided anything directly due to either one of your recommendations. But that's more because I'm I'm a damn nerd that has a watch list of a thousand movies on it, so I'm usually familiar already with most of anything mentioned. I understand that completely. Uh, That said, I do have some differing opinions on some things. I Uh remember only mildly enjoying a dark song when I watched it at the end of the 2017. So I'm part of the problem of not helping to put it on Jared's radar as I only gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd. Damn it, Sam. But that's mm. coming from someone who is firmly on uh, Night of the yeah, on team Night of Night of the Hunter is a great oh, film. No. So what do I know? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, uh, we'll get there. One day, we'll one there. day. Uh, I'm also way more forgiving of newer movies as you guys seem to be, which is weird since among friends and family, I'm typically considered the downer and that hates everything new. So I was also in the camp of liking Hereditary and First Reform, though given a choice, I'd be more than happy if new movies just stopped coming out for a few years to see everything from the past that I need to see. Keep up the good work, guys. Mm. 
Thanks again, uh, Sam, for another great email. Uh, did, did he emphasize good or did you? He, he wrote good in brackets with a question mark. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, see, see, that's what I, I, I'm missing, the uh, the subtleties of yeah. the text here because mm-hmm. I'm just getting it vocally. But, yeah. okay. It's nice to hear from Sam. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what were you going to say, Jerry? I cut you off. Oh, uh, oh I was just going to say, uh, yeah, I don't know. Something, is there something about new movies? Uh, there's something about the, there's a, a, a new sheen, new car smell, mm-hmm. something to movies that I don't know. I'm just not feeling. Um, I feel a lot more at home watching like 1970s stuff like Hearts and Minds uh, than I do mm-hmm. watching like a new movie. It just seems like there's something off and I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what so it is. I have, I think what it is for me is I've, I've mentioned it many times and I know it's kind of contrarian and just being a prick, but I really dislike the hype machine around new movies and it ruins them for me so much. And um, I think the, the some of the things that bother me the most are things like since like we watch a lot of horror and things like Hereditary and Get Out where like as soon as those movies came out, it was like in the top five all time oh, horror yeah. movies. And it's like, oh, yeah, really? So it's like things like that. And it just gets repeated everywhere you go, like in real life, not not just on the Internet. Jerry. It's just all over. And it just I don't know if fucking brings me down all the time i see that the 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 next babadook of babadook movies and you're just like Fuck. <laughs> enough. enough i didn't even like babadook rj you says shouldn't. <laughs> yeah i didn't even like babadook i that movie's not good oh i think you were like it was fine but not worthy of you remember the when they killed that dog in that movie for no reason Jared? <laughs> nope I do. By the, Jared's by the way, seen too many of those. That's why he doesn't remember it. Well, yeah, he's, yeah. He's sensitized, but my, he had my real life and my movies I watch blur. You know, mm, mm, shameful, shameful. <laughs> what, what are your, I don't know. That's that's my point, opinion. But. What are your thoughts, uh, Frank, uh, about new yeah. movies? What our thoughts on new movies are? Are we too harsh? <laughs> what, what, what do you, What do you think? No, not at all. I think. Uh, I don't like I I, I understand uh, where it comes from like the the hype machine the people just wanting everything to either be the greatest or the worst and there's like no in between where everyone can just like see be like okay this is fine or this is just good and everybody just wants everything to be great or just trash and it sucks that's why uh don't read anything from anyone just watch it yourself <laughs> it's good advice yeah i i mean i agree with that but like then how do you find out about movies i i don't know where else you find out about things unless you read about them so it's like it's like a kind of a weird like you have to kind of go out there unless you're just like stumbling across trailers accidentally yeah. you're like what's this and like because i've done that yeah i used to love doing that um like way back in the early days of uh quick time uh, when I, that was like the Apple website where it's like, Hey, they just upload trailers all the time and, uh, watching trailers. And you'd be like, I don't know. I was far more into like what movies were coming along. And uh, I still like, when I remember to do that, I do that. And you wind up coming across stuff and you get like, I don't know, there's like a definitely, um, appreciation I have for like good trailer making. Uh, and a lot mm. of movies have really trash trailers. Um, and actually I even just, uh, for the movie we're talking about today, uh, well, Royal Tenenbaums, uh, <laughs> when I was like looking for the trailer, uh, to use for the episode, I found that there was two different cuts and I watched one 
that I was like, what is this? Like, this has like such a weird smarmy feeling to it. And then I watched the one that I remember, and it's probably actually on the DVD uh, Blu-ray as well. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is a way better trailer. And it's like one better. It's just interesting, like decisions, like in comedy, like what emphasis works here and there, and what have what communicates the sense of the movie better once you already know what the movie is. But uh, and then you see random things where you're like, there's footage in trailers that like don't make it to the final film, and you're like, where's this scene from? (laughs) (laughs) The scene that caught your attention is the one they cut out. Yeah, (laughs) because you're like, well, yeah, for a movie that I've seen as many times, I'm like, that's not in this. But um, yeah, I don't know. New movies. uh, I I could. That's it for emails. But uh, I I could complain right now about. I was reading a conversation a friend posted on Facebook uh, about how they were, like, really excited that Captain Marvel uh, was, like, headed toward this, like, really big opening weekend. And then mm-hmm. all these people started posting that I don't really know who were like, well, I heard it wasn't very good from people. And then they were, like, they were rebuffed saying, well, those are, like, people with an agenda. And there's all these people talking about agendas with movies <laughs> and, like, that they're idiots. And they're like, well, anyone who doesn't like the movie is an idiot. And all these people are like, I, I can't wait for the dude bros to get served it up that their movie, this movie did great. <laughs> but, uh, like... It's like kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, I'm pretty positive that I won't like the movie. Um, there's like mm-hmm. just not because oh, stars a woman. It's like no, it's because it's a Marvel superhero movie. Like I've, they're just not they're they're not for me at all. And uh, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if it stars like the whitest white man in the world or like it's about Wakanda. I don't care. I don't give a shit. They're all badly made movies. <laughs> so Jerry. I- Correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're saying is that you not only hate women, but you hate all. I hate everyone. Yeah, other... I'm a no, misan- okay. I, I would want. I, uh, <laughs> I would be proud to say I am a misanthrope. I I don't like anything mm. or anyone. So there you go. Hmm. No. Interesting. No lives matter, RJ. Wow. Yeah. Edit that out of this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Frank, uh, all this hot money he's spending on this podcast is just going to get <laughs> thrown out well, for nothing. At least now I know Jared's true agenda. <laughs> Hashtag no lives matter. That nothing matters. <laughs> oh, but um, concerning new movies i was gonna say most things end up on the watch list anyways like most things don't get watched until years later so by the time they do get watched they're old because i was looking at that i only have 20 movies in my watch list because i try to cut it down as much as possible or else i get super frustrated and i was looking at uh rj years on letterboxd and how yours is like 300 movies and i saw this one person who has like 5,000 movies in their watch list and I could never. I just Some can't. of those movies, Frank, were added when I made my Letterboxd account, which would have been yeah, like four see, or five I, years ago. Yeah. I, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I get frustrated. You put it, it's one of those things, it's like making notes. I put it in there to remember it, but then the act of putting it in there means I can take it off of my mind and I forget about it forever. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I guess that's why like authors say not to write shit down because once you write it down, then you'll... I forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> not not write shit down because that's their job, but like you guys know what I mean. <laughs> right I, here. I, I write stuff down uh, in notebooks and sometimes you go back and find stuff and you realize that that was a really bad idea or it's still something that's really relevant to you like eight years later. I don't know. 
oh, like that Capes movie that we uh, I was promised but never delivered. Yeah, I want to see that too, actually. Cool. Hey, what, a hey, lot of people would like to see that. What, what, what you guys been creeping on this week? Um, <laughs> Who are you talking to? I don't know. Whoever. Uh, RJ, you go first. You, I think you left off on a cliffhanger last week because you were talking about this, this um. The Strangers Pray at Night, I think. All right. Frank, have you seen this movie? Nope. Okay, I don't recommend it. Uh, so this is, is it, it's either the sequel or the third of this, yeah. the Strangers franchise. This movie was making uh, the horror scene circuit like a year ago. All the horror podcasts, all the horror sites uh, for this infamous pool scene. And pretty much everyone was like, well, the movie is okay, uh, but the music is really good. It's got a John Carpenter feel. And there's this pool scene, man. It'll blow your fucking mind. Everyone's just like creaming their pants over this fucking thing. And, okay. So here's the deal with this movie. This is super lazy and boring filmmaking. Uh, It's... The plot is like a family stays at some kind of like motel and then while they're there, the strangers come. They start like by knocking on the door and then walking away like just, I don't know, boring shit. Uh, And then the family is like walking around and they discover like murdered bodies at this motel and they're like, oh, no. And then they go back to their room and then these strangers are there and they just start to like kill them. Uh, I thought everything in this movie was super boring and lazy and it's not like because I know some people, especially on on Letterboxd, were like, it's building up that tension, man, that atmosphere. And it's like, no, 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 no. Because a lot of those people who didn't like the first one, they're like, oh, it's so slow. Like, I I don't care about the slow burn. Um, It's been a long time, but I remember liking the first one because of those reasons. This one is just, it's like it grinds through and it's so predictable where... I think it's only 90 minutes long, but it feels like it's three hours because scenes are just happening so slowly. And it's like, you don't need any of this. Like, cause there's no ever, there's never any payoff. So there are characters that die and one character like helps another character out through a window. And then the stranger girl just walks into the room really slowly and then slowly walks behind her and then just stabs her. And like, she sees it coming the whole time. And there's no build up to it. And it's just this girl just walks really slowly into the other person and kills her. And like even that, I think people try to defend it. It's like, well, it's subtle, you know, like that's scarier than if it was a big display because because they're like so slow about it. Uh, And I think that's horseshit, too, because it's it's not that it's slow. It's that it's boring because I think there are a lot better ways to to be minimal and get more out of it. Uh, so I don't think this movie does anything like that. <clears throat> a lot of people talk about the music. It's got like an 80s score type thing. Yeah, the music is good. Uh, but I don't know, like just having uh, someone put together a really good sound soundtrack doesn't make your movie good. Uh, it also does this weird thing where like a good song will be playing and then the score will kick in and become loud or like just in the background while this song is still playing. And I found it really off putting. I was like, why is there two different music things going at the same time? I was like, just do one. Like, why are you doing both? Uh, And again, it's like the song was on the radio, but it's not that it was just on the radio. Like the song was 
the score at that moment hmm. anyways so i thought that was weird uh, a lot of people talk about it being like john carpenter i don't think that either uh but the biggest thing jared this fucking pool scene <laughs> like uh, the way that this thing has been built up so again this is one of those new movies that's been overhyped for me and it's not even that it's been overhyped because there's not <laughs> yeah. that many people talking about no. it but there's enough uh and like you watch it and you're like okay is that it like because it ended i was like is there gonna be more to this uh because it's 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 nothing it's just some guy two guys fight in a pool one guy gets stabbed and then blood comes out in the pool like it's nothing new <laughs> nothing i haven't seen before man they're playing that song from a uh, old school uh you know that like i need you now tonight i need you more than ever uh so they're playing that song jared and mm-hmm. it's I think people are like, oh, yeah, that really adds to it. But it's like, but old school did that like 10 years ago. And it was better in old school. Mm. So I don't know. This Strangers movie, I I don't know. I think people are being real nice on it. Or maybe I'm just being real hard. But I couldn't get into it. I was, I was fucking bored out of my mind for like an hour and a half. So how do you like that? <laughs> Uh, I feel the same way about this movie as I did uh, before you started. Uh, I was going to give it a miss. What do you mean? Uh, strangers? Yeah. Yeah, there's no need to watch this thing. I, If you want, watch that pool sequence, but just so that you can be in the know and be like, oh, yeah, people are wrong when they say that that's <laughs> some kind of special thing. Because it's, it's not. Anyways, it sucks. Hey, Jared and uh, Frank, do you guys want to hear about the big birdcage? <laughs> sure do (laughs) pretty cool so here's the deal frank i watched this movie on amazon prime and it's uh from somewhat associated with sorceress director jack hill uh who it sounds like Jarrett was saying may or may not have actually wrote and directed sorceress yeah uh but he did like kofi and spider baby foxy brown a lot of pam greer joints uh pam greer is in this she's looking good uh this also has sid haig playing a heartthrob which is pretty pretty (laughs) hilarious um so sid haig and pam greer are in uh fuck i looked it up where was it um sid haig and pam greer they're in lots of stuff together no uh where this movie takes place oh the philippines yeah it's in the philippines yeah so they're in the philippines and they're like bandits they're like the wet bandits and uh they're going around mugging people and they come across this like American actress and they rob the rob the joint. Uh, but she get, she takes the hit for it and she gets sent to this woman's prison in uh, the Philippines. Um, so there's all these foxy broads there. Uh, it is populated by cranky old Filipino men. Uh, and there it is a character point that they are all gay. Uh, yes. So that is one thing, because uh, the women, Frank, are full nymphomaniacs and they are hard lusting for man yeah but they Uh-oh. can't get it from they want to be taken advantage of by the guards but they can't because the guards don't like girls so, so, yeah their feminine wiles won't like betray them exactly yeah. exactly so it's part of that's part of the plot uh so in the day the girls go out and they harvest sugar cane uh, and then they bring it back in and they have this huge like mill that they run it through and they call it the big birdcage. Um, and I don't know. So the girls hang out in the prison and some girls want to leave. Some girls want to fight. Uh, it's not bad. This movie, it's got some really cool parts. And then there's a lot of other stuff in it. 
Uh, Sid Haig is really good in this thing. Um, when he has a mustache and he's playing like a gay Frenchman, uh, he, he's pretty funny. Uh, Pam Greer is really good in this. She's Foxy Lady. Um, there's a scene in this where the tallest woman I've ever seen, like this lady has got to be six, nine, maybe seven foot, some kind of like, I don't know, Dutch lady. She's in this thing. She greases herself up with like, it's either soap or lard or something. I, I never really got an answer, but she's full nude. She greases herself up on this and you think it's for her to escape uh, but what she's doing is she starts running and guards try to tackle her and they she like slips through all their hands because she greased herself up so good. Uh, but she runs through the jungle and it's it's just to beat up this other chick because she hasn't been able to get to her before. So that that seems pretty funny. Uh, just seeing someone grease themselves up in full lard to run around and slip out of people's hands. I like that quite a bit. Um uh, <laughs> There is a pretty, pretty gnarly torture scene in this that is actually uh, the visuals are quite striking, Jarrett. Uh, a girl gets they they erect this like teepee thing and they tie the girl's ponytail to a string and then they like pull her up and she's yeah. just hanging from her ponytail. And uh, it's shot really beautifully, actually. Like there's this the Philippine sunset in the background and it's just this lady hanging from her hair. And you're like, oh, shit, that's pretty wild. Um this movie has a big ending. There's lots of explosions. There's gunfights. That's really cool. Uh, the one thing that's a little bit weird in this movie is they really hammer the point home that uh, if you're a woman in the Philippines, you'll you'll be raped for sure, but also you'll go to prison, and then when you when you get out, then you might get raped again. Mm-hmm. so they really hammer that home because like a girl's running she's like i need help and it's like six guys and they're like oh we'll help you <laughs> and uh so Good Lord. there's some unpleasantness there but um i don't know the big bird cage isn't bad uh i know jared has seen it i have i don't know if you have anything to add no i mean it's just like uh i don't know one of those 70s exploitation uh filipino cheapo movies that's just uh mm-hmm thrills and ridiculousness and i think i've talked about this in depth before about like what i want from an exploitation movie is like memorable scenes or moments or visuals that's like the best you can hope for when you watch these things the only reason to watch this stuff is for those things and maybe like the filmmaking's good enough to get you through watching them and i don't remember anything particular but you talking about it was like oh yeah that Oh yeah, Sid Haig doing the uh, gay Frenchman uh, to get yep. to get his way uh, to get the like, involving a truck. Uh, there, there's a few different things at yeah. play in this. Yeah, but yeah. no, yeah, Sid Haig's really good, and it's funny he's, he's like the heartthrob wonderful. in this thing. Yeah, <laughs> which you don't see Sid Haig get to play a lot. So. No. Yeah, so the Big Bird Cage is pretty cool. Are Are you sold, Frank, on the Big Bird Cage? Are you gonna be seeking this one out on Amazon Prime? Oh no, not at all. There you go. <laughs> That's fair. He's too. playing playing the role of RJ this week. <laughs> oh, Jarrett. Hey, uh, so he's the hate the, the hater. Greasy running people. You know, <laughs> the entire time you were explaining that scene, I was thinking, okay, so if she did her whole body, then yes. she'd have to put some on her feet. How come she didn't use it to slide her way through instead of just running? So Do you know what I mean? This, this is what. Yeah, you think she would be escaping with this, but it, it was. It was prime. It was completely just so that the guards couldn't grab her before she beat the shit out of this other girl. That was the only reason she wanted. She greased herself up. Oh. 
Yeah, so it's they trick yeah. you. You think it's going one way and it goes another, and you're like, oh, you, you, you fooled me, big bird cage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Jared, actually, you, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm just uh, go ahead. I actually can see it on my Prime. So I'm I'm thinking because I know I'd asked a question before. This is a little sidetracked. Yeah. Um. So I guess I mean Prime in the U.S. and in Canada must be the same then, because it does come up here. Yeah. It's not. It's close. Well, there's, no? there, there, there's certain they... things that, like, there, it's, it's going to depend movie to movie. But I think with like <laughs> stuff like this, um, where it's like Arrow or Vinegar Syndrome or Code Red own the rights, it's like North American rights. It's not just exclusive to the, sta- the states or Canada. But it'll the bigger the movie, the more it's like li- likely that there'll be some sort of splitting up. Like there'll be some things that are like available <laughs> on American Amazon Prime, but available on Netflix in Canada. And, oh, okay, yeah, okay. it's it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, yeah, everything's weird up here for uh, all the streaming apps. Yep. <laughs> we, yeah, we don't have Hulu. We don't. It's not even a choice. We, we can't uh, get it. At I all. mean, you don't you don't need it. There's not a lot on Hulu that isn't on anything else. Well, so. the, I mean, I guess there used to be the uh, Criterion stuff, but uh, now they have their own channel. <laughs> have you guys uh, subscribed to that yet? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just waiting okay, for it to to go, hit for to real go live. No, mm-hmm. I was gonna say if one of y'all had it, I mean, I might have to really replace one of you guys on the show. Yeah, you could replace Jared <laughs> or myself any any time. It's one of those deals where it's like it's a cursed partnership, <laughs> and we're we're waiting for someone to take it over. And then once you're like, oh, I'd love to do that, and then you take it over, and we're like, we're free. Yeah, and then, and then it's just like you. Yeah, there's like be a, be a half, It's like a curse. You have to hand it off to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm sorry about sidetracking you guys. No, that's, uh, no, that's fine, we man. We should go back. <laughs> yeah, you can, you're welcome to take on the curse anyway. RJ, uh, <laughs> tell, tell us about Sam Elliott. You want to hear about Sam Gar Elliott? You ever seen him in Mask when he uh, goes by Gar? No. You ever seen Mask, Jarrett? I've never seen Mask. What about you, Frank? Have you ever seen Mask with Rocky mm. Dennis? No, I've seen The Mask. Yes. Yeah, oh, man, you guys... Yeah, <laughs> the mask is good too, but you guys got to watch Mask, baby. With yeah. Sam Elliott. I- I've seen yeah. Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in that, there too. <laughs> that's all I was thinking about when you so, said Sam Elliott. So I watched a movie, Frank, called The Hero. Have you heard of The Hero? I have actually, yeah. Yeah. So this is directed by some guy named Brett Haley. Uh, he just had a movie drop on Netflix uh, called Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman. Um, I saw this movie, The Hero, get talked about like a year ago, a year or two ago. And I think it was, it looks like an A24 movie, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the best way I could describe it. Is it, it's, it's made for A24, but it's not, it's some other company. Um, so this movie is Sam Elliott is playing kind of himself uh, he's the same age that he is when he filmed it. He's like 72 or something like that. And uh, he plays a kind of an old washed out actor who is known for a lot of rules like 20 years ago. He was in some Westerns like his biggest in, in this movie. Uh, his biggest role was a movie uh, called The Hero and it was a Western movie. Uh, but lately he doesn't get any roles anymore because he's kind of old and forgotten and uh, he just does voiceover work for commercials uh like barbecue sauce uh because everyone wants his voice uh as the old cowboy so it's like it's kind of like sam elliott i think built for tough built for tough (laughs) 
This one's about barbecue sauce. Hmm. So he's he's doing that, and he's kind of like a sad old man. Uh, he's friends with Nick Offerman. Because uh, Nick Offerman uh, was an actor, but he didn't make it, so he's a drug dealer. So they go and they smoke weed together. Uh, Sam Elliott has an estranged family. Um, his ex-wife is an artist, and his daughter works for Google, played by Chris, uh, Kristen Ritter, Jarrett. Um, you say that like I should know what that means. You should. That's Jessica Jones, man. Uh, I always say that she's um, John Ritter's daughter, and Andrea gets so fucking mad at me. She's like, no, she isn't. It's like, oh, yeah, it's her. It's the same girl. <laughs> um, anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, that's like... A, a small part of the story is that he's trying to like reconnect with his uh, ex-wife and daughter because he finds out Jared that he has cancer. Oh, what a, uh, what a surprise. And they're giving him like two or three years to live like max. So he's trying to reconnect. And then at the same time, he crosses paths with Donna from that 70s show. That's right. Jared, Laura prep on. Wow. Prepon? Prepon? Is that what she's been doing? Uh, she no, she's in that Orange is the New Black show, I think. Hmm. That's what she's been doing. But okay. yeah, so he crosses paths with her. She's a comedian, uh, and um, they start hanging out. And Jarrett, they start to get freaky. Whoa! She likes the old guys. Yeah, she does. But he goes to one of her comedy shows, and she's making jokes about having sex with old guys, and he gets really sad because she was being really shitty and mean to him mm-hmm. because he was like a nice old guy, and he went to support her. Uh, anyways, so that's what this movie is about. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it's filmed really nice. I like the, like the style that the cinematography goes. It's kind of, things aren't like, I was going to say focus, but things aren't like in the main center of frame. So he's kind of, everything kind of like drifts a little bit. So it's like on the side and it's not, it's nothing new. Like this is things you see in movies and TV all the time. Uh, but I like it. It looks nice. Um, there are some nice moments in this movie. There's some good stuff. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, I don't, I wouldn't say like heartwarming, but it is kind of like a pick me up movie. It's, it's like a warm feeling thing. Uh, Sam Elliott is, is really good. Uh, he's really good. I've, I've never really seen him in a main role. So, oh, well you haven't obviously seen the film shakedown with Peter I have Weller. not seen shakedown. Peter Weller, oh boy. Um, yeah, I checked that out. It's got but, one no, of the most insane endings of any movie I've ever seen. Should I put on the watch list, Frank? The endless watch Yeah, sure. Why not? Everything I'll else goes in there. Uh, did you say the sackets, Jared? <laughs> the, the shakedown. Oh, it's not Louis Or, 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 just, or just sackets? Or just shakedown, I guess. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Um, the hero's pretty good. Like, it looks good. It's got some nice stuff in there, but... At the end of the day, it's not going to change your life or anything, Jared. And that's what it's all about. I know you're only looking for those movies that really, really wow you. Like Big Bird Cage. Like the yeah. Big Bird yeah, Cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they, they, <laughs> what, 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 yeah. Why doesn't this movie star Sid Haig? That's what I want to know. It could. Well, well it's, it, I think this thing was written for Sam Elliott. Like, he's got I, that. Place. I kind of imagined. You kind of imagine? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like well, anyways, yeah, I don't know. This movie, I, I, I think it's like it came out around the same time, I guess, as the uh, that Burt Reynolds movie that still hasn't really come out properly. Whatever is Dog Days. 
Oh, yeah, like, they're very similar. The, the last, that's the A24 The one, last movie it? star. Yeah, yeah, but it's like never really materialized. And it's like, mm. I don't know, after he died, that would have been the window to do it. And it just kind of fumbled on out. So this movie mm. kind of sounds like it has uh, elements of that. So I don't know. What you described sounds sounds like some hokum to me, RJ. <laughs> it's It's okay. Like, I don't know. Chanel might like it. <laughs> and Andrea liked it for the most part. She she wasn't like wowed by it either. But it was like, oh yeah, that's this is a good movie to watch for like an hour and a half, whatever. So it was okay. That's my point. Do you want to hear about my last film, Jared, or should I save it for next week? Um, tell me about Pie Wacket. You can tell Frank right. too, I suppose. Frank, do you want to yeah. hear about a Canadian film? Oh no, no, no! Canada just not my kind of thing. <laughs> it's not a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> not playing. Let, let's let's see what it's about. All right. So I think you've heard I've been on about this Crave platform lately. This uh, <laughs> Canadian alternative to Hulu. Um, so there there are things on there that like I want to watch. It's just very difficult to watch things sometimes. That's my own problem. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but there is, a because it's a Canadian streaming site, uh, they do have a section, uh, and it's all Canadian movies. Um, some of them actually looked not bad. Uh, I saw that there was a little horror section on there, and I was like, oh, I'll check that out. So there's a movie on here called Pie Wacket, uh, directed by a guy named Adam McDonald. Uh, Jared has actually seen his other movie, Backcountry. Back Country. Yeah. And you gave it a three stars, Jared. I did. Yeah, did you like him? Yeah, Backcountry is pretty good. It's got a quite the gruesome bear mauling scene. Ooh, this scene, uh, this movie has a scene that you would like quite a bit. Um, there is like a full body burn in this movie, uh, where uh, language. Yeah, it's it's not bad, and that's pretty good. But then once once it cuts, like it's inside a house, and then when it cuts outside, I think there's a few CGI flames on that house. So I was like, oh, Jared won't like that. Mm. Um, Pie whack it. (laughs) is i guess the the term is like or the title is taken from some weird occult book from a long time ago some very popular occult book about witches and witchcraft i don't know i thought Jarrett might know because he's into that stuff but maybe not all i know is kind of what i've heard about this from other podcasts talking about it and the idea of this movie sounds good yeah so it's it's not bad um it's it's just not good uh, and and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Like, um, it looks good. Uh, there's actually some nice shots in this thing. And, and I think he's a good director. Uh, the acting is fine um, for mostly what I gather smaller type actors. Uh, like the biggest actor in this is Laurie Holden, uh, that Frank Darabont girl who is in like the, the Mist and Walking Dead and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, so anyways, I think she's like the biggest actress. And then the rest is actually just like teen actors who the main girl I looked, she's in a lot of TV and stuff. So like competent, uh, actors, uh, and the story's story's not bad. Actually. I kind of like the story. Uh, I just, I thought, I thought it was pretty average, uh, to say the least. Um, so it's about an angsty teen girl, uh, and she, and she doesn't like her mom. Uh, and her and her friends are into like occult stuff. There's this horror writer that comes to town to do a book signing and they all go get their books signed. And he's, he's all about like the occult and things like that. So they meet him and they think that's really cool. Uh, and then the mom 
it's kind of so one of the things I didn't like is the mom character is kind of back and forth like it didn't I didn't really follow her story so the girl doesn't like her mom because she's like an alcoholic and she's not really there and she's kind of erratic like she'd be like okay yeah you can go and then when she would come back she'd be like where the hell were you so there's like that and I think it's to show that she's kind of kind of wacky and so the mom's like let's move to we're gonna move to a cottage out of town so that i can try to like get back on track uh and then when she's there she's like doing real like over momming i guess which isn't necessarily inconsistent with the the character itself i just i don't know i wasn't i had a a little bit of trouble being like okay uh but anyways they move out to a place in the woods and the girl really hates it because she's away from her friends. Uh, so what she does out of like anger is she looks in this occult book and she goes out into the woods and she calls on a, like a demon, a pie wacket witch to kill her mom. Uh, so she does like a little ceremony. She's mixing milk with herbs in like a hole in the ground. She's cutting some blood into it. She's wrapping yarn on the trees. The ceremony thing was pretty cool. Uh, and then she goes back in and then she kind of forgets about it. But then what starts to happen is uh, things like start happening to her mom and to her too. And she's like, oh shit, did that actually work? Uh, so she did summon this like demon thing and it's kind of playing tricks on them. Uh, and then she's trying to like reverse it. She she Skypes Jarrett. She Skypes the author of the book and he's like, you got to be really careful with pie wackets. Uh, I wrote this in my letterbox review, but the best way I could put summarize this movie is it's somewhere between Ty West and then the Bagul Skype scene from Sinister. That sounds sounds like the shits, dude. His name is Bagul. Um, Yeah, because I don't know. You you know, I don't really like Ty West. I like the the look of his movies, but I I don't like his movies. Um, So I, I think that's why I didn't really like this. And it's like I said, it's fine. It's got some cool ideas in it. And the ending, I think, is not what necess- not quite what you would expect. So they, they kind of go for it. And it was like I was saying, there was like full body burns. And I think it tries to leave you on this, uh, this like shocker. Um, but I don't know, maybe I'm desensitized to stuff. And I was like, oh, whatever. So I, I gave it a shot at Canadian indie horror. And it's not bad. It's just, uh, I think I think it's just real real standard it's it's just there it's an average movie whatever are you either of you two interested in pie Wacket, the canadian indie horror movie i like the name yeah, yeah it's not bad name. that's why i watched it i was like pie Wacket, i, I think i want to like i think i just want to leave this movie in my imagination where it's like a good movie and uh maybe not watch the real thing not a bad idea there was actually there was one cool creature effect in this but uh it was too. It was too quick. You see it for like half a second. It cuts away, and I realized it's like, well, it makes you want it more. And I was like, yeah, I wanted more of that. That thing was cool. Hmm. <laughs> Bummer. Anyways. Bummer. That's all I watched, but that's the podcast. So we've been here for like four hours. Yeah. Right. And we're <laughs> yeah. and we're only getting started. Yes. Frank. All right. Oh you, boy. Uh, so what do you got letterbox is back on now, yeah. so you should be mm-hmm. you should be okay. What, what I want to know about though, is I, I want to know about this Captain Marvel movie. 
Ah. You see, I was thinking, I was like, maybe I won't bring it up. I know that eventually one of you two guys have to watch it. So um, I don't. I haven't seen the last like three or four Marvel movies actually, other than Infinity War, because I never, I never watched the new Ant Man. I didn't watch Black Panther, and the one before that too. But you're right. Probably eventually. Hey, I mean, because it's the first female Marvel led movie. You guys have to watch it, unless you really do hate women, guys. <laughs> don't put that evil on us. This is kind of gonna compel you to watch it. Because okay. honestly, okay, so I did watch this movie. I did not want to watch the movie. I was forced into it, much so like, like I was Aquaman. forced into <laughs> Yeah, like Aquaman, like Venom. My friends all team up on me and say, hey, we're forcing you to go and pay for your own ticket. I can't even get wow. them to pay for my ticket. Yeah. Did they even buy like, a dinner? <laughs> no. Jesus. There's no dinner. Mm. Tell, tell, tell we like always that bad stuff that Jared always talks about. <laughs> tell, tell these people to go fuck themselves and say, it's, I'm, I'm going to watch some one car Y. <laughs> yeah. And they'll say, oh, then, Frank, what a loser. It's, it's the only way I can show them my movies if it's like a trade, you know? And then even then, I'm the one that always loses because they don't watch my movies. No, they don't. <laughs> it sucks. Well, yeah, so we want to go see Captain Marvel at the request mostly of my brother. Um, my brother loves – he has Star Wars posters and Avengers posters and just hanging all over the wall. When mm -hmm. I was a kid, my mom never let me do that kind of stuff. But he's almost – he's a grown man. He has a beard, and he does it all the time. <laughs> yeah, Jared's familiar <laughs> with yeah. that type. And so, well, okay, Captain Marvel, it has everything you'd expect, like, to be bad. Everything that you've seen that's bad in a Marvel movie, it has. Mm -hmm. Bad editing, bad dialogue, uh, bad CGI. Yeah. It has all of it. But even so, I actually had fun, which I wasn't expecting. Because <laughs> Aquaman and Venom, no fun at all. Like, okay. they suck. <laughs> Big time. But... Captain Marvel. I don't know what it was. Maybe because I don't. I don't have expectations for these movies when I go see them. I'm just like, I'll try to like what I can, see what I can get out of it. Since it's my money, and I'm forced into the situation, mm -hmm. I'll see what I can get out of it. And so, really, I think it was it was the acting. Uh, Brie Larson. I've I've seen a lot of comments. People saying Brie Larson was wooden. I was like, I think she's fine. I mean, the material is bad. So that's the best you could do with the material. I don't blame her. You I, saw, know? I saw one review saying that, man, you know, Jennifer Lawrence would have just been so much better here. <laughs> it, oh. If she was in it, people would have been like, why can't they get someone like Brie Larson? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, I mean, she has range, I guess. But like when you have bad material you have nothing to work with you do the best you can and that's that's what came out of it so now she's getting blamed for something that i feel wasn't her fault mm -hmm. um and of course that's just a fuel in the fire for these uh women haters on the internet these trolls well yeah the, the comics gate community <laughs> they're uh yeah and they're they're just garbage people um it's like that but uh yeah. So, yeah. okay, one thing that I've heard that, like, sounds like it will really irk me is that I guess, like, the, the music in this is extremely uh, 90s, like, in its oh, selection. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, like, I'm wondering how that worked for you being more of, like, kind of, like, growing up, at, like, kind of, like, at the tail end of the 90s. 
Yeah. Well, no, I didn't even. Or, grow up or not even grow up being grew born up into 2000, it. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I was late. So I really only had maybe. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> I only really had uh, ten months worth of nineties. Uh, yeah. You know, childhood. So I honestly don't remember anything. So, 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 so how did you feel about the, that? I mean, you can. It's every five minutes they'll play a song, and it is annoying. But to me, it wasn't as annoying because some of the songs I don't recognize them, mm-hmm. and like some of them were like really heavy-handed. Like uh, this one song, you just feel like it's towards the end, the big battle. You know, the big battle at the end of the movie. Yep. Uh, they play this song. Talk like it goes something like uh i'm just a girl something something and you just feel like yeah you you can feel that this is aimed at the trolls like you just know it's aimed at the trolls i i guess i don't know because like i mean i i like music from you know way back i listen to 70s and 80s stuff mostly but 90s is something i've barely touched actually uh especially late 90s i haven't really like gone dived right in there so that's something that I kind of got to see through Captain Marvel. So it wasn't so bad for me, in a way. Okay. Let's, 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 oh, Jesus Christ. I'm looking at the additional music for this movie. Okay. Uh, we got You Gotta Be by Desiree. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. <laughs> uh, Connection by Elastica. Only mm-hmm. Happy When It Rains by Garbage. Oh, uh, cra- oh shit. Crazy on You by Heart. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Celebrity Skin by Hole. Uh, <laughs> Kiss Me Deadly, uh, Lita Ford. Uh, Please, Mr. Postman by The Marvelettes. Sung by Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Come As You Are by Nirvana. And uh, Just a Girl by No Doubt. Crush with Eyeliner. And Man on the Moon by R.E.M. <laughs> wow. What, what a Man, Salt and Peppa. Waterfalls by TLC. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and stuff like the the TLC song I recognized, and I was like, like some of those songs just feel completely out of place, yeah. which is why people noticed it so much. It's because like they're just in the worst places. The song has nothing to do with with the scene or the mood or anything. They're just really just stu- like a uh, uh, crazy. It's just uh, this little scene where uh, she's a she's a girl. It's a memory, and she's remembering driving golf like not even golf carts uh, go-karts yeah. that's it that's all it is <laughs> and they play that song and so like i don't know yeah the music it's fine <laughs> whatever it wasn't gonna be good anyways mm. and the thing is i mean how much money goes into just getting the rights to these songs <laughs> oh i mean that's no that money's no object though when it's the uh the Disney Studios, that's, right? Like they don't care. That's like, very true. No, I didn't so I had no idea that uh who directed this thing. Uh Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, uh who mm-hmm. also directed uh A twenty four uh Mississippi Grind. Oh with, with, really? With, uh, RJ's good close personal friend Ben Mendelson. <laughs> that guy's such a prick. Like he's 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 in this movie, yeah, I think. I, I, I yeah. Mean, yeah. And actually I agree with RJ. I hate that guy. His face is just so aggravating. Well people say in real life he's just like an absolute prick and like a horrible guy to work with. So <laughs> he's he's actually okay in this movie. But he's like under a lot of makeup. He's the, this main scroll guy for most oh, of the movie. I'd be okay but, with that as long as you don't see him. <laughs> You do see him because he the the he also plays the 
the uh, the shield chief, and at one point the scroll turns into him. So are they like do they, now? Do they look like do they look like comic book scrolls? Like green like dudes with the funny yeah. chins and the ears? Okay, yeah. Have you not they seen have a the picture f- of them, Jared? No. Yeah, they're they have the funny chins. Yeah. Cool. Here's a bigger the question for you, Frank. Thanos chins. <laughs> um, was there were there any bombshells? Were they like, oh, oh my god, no. all of the Avengers are scrolls? That's what they look like. Oh, they look no. they look lame. No. <laughs> oh, I thought you not at like all. No, these guys like oh no, they look like Star yeah, Trek. They look it's... like they look like shitty J.J. Uh, Abrams Star Trek aliens. <laughs> you yeah, it's it's Star pretty Trek. bad. No, mm. uh, they they could have gone further with it. I get that they're trying to be uh, realistic, <laughs> but like they look goofy. But it's like yeah, okay. <laughs> the thing is, you know, you know, you're supposed to like kind of spray these things with water and like so that the light reflects on the skin and stuff. Mm. It, they're completely dull throughout the movie. Like somebody just forgot to do the little spray to give them that little life shine, you know, make them look a little sweaty or something to give them life. And there's none of that in this. Hmm. I don't know. It's just like something basic that I've picked up from other movies where that's really all you need to do to give something a little more, you know, make it more realistic. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with this movie. Anyways, I still had a good time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. Because like the uh, Samuel Jackson, I think is really what helped out the most. Because his character, it's funny. Because okay, so the first fifteen minutes go by so fast. The sto- story wise, it's really bad. Like I'm pretty sure you guys wouldn't be able to sit through the first fifteen minutes. Like first two minutes, she's fighting her trainer, uh, played by Jude Law, who's already telling her you can't be so emotional. Uh, you have to control your emotions. And throughout the whole movie, she has almost little to no emotion, right? Oh, so and, it makes and, no sense. And it's not until she becomes from. emotional at the end that that's yep. where the real power comes? Yep. yep. Wow. Uh, you already got it. <laughs> uh-huh. Jared, it sounds like you're you're picking up on some things. Like You should work for Hollywood. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh. and so that's in the first five minutes she this is does like, the training okay just to interrupt so like, do you guys remember like when there was like that princess peach game that was like about her like getting angry and emotional and like people were like goddamn japan they're like goddamn sexism it's like how is this movie like <laughs> like any is, better is it not the same idea it's like oh let's reduce the women to their emotions <laughs> Yeah, I don't know but, what I mean, you're talking about. You you must hate women. <laughs> People don't care. They're just like, oh, finally. Marvel. Uh, yeah. Something's better you know. than nothing. Princess Princess Peach <laughs> is the only woman in this video game, so that's good enough for me. This, this is good enough for me to And continue. I mean, there was, I think, was it the directors or also the writers on it or yeah. something? One of, like, many writers. Because, you know, they need additional help to write these trash scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, in the first 15 minutes, you, you go through the training, they go on the mission, she gets, uh, you know, uh, separated from the group and she ends up on earth. Uh, she ends up captured by the scrolls and the scrolls like ship gets blown up cause she's too powerful and mm-hmm. she ends up on earth. And so like her abilities are just wait it's just way too much like i don't understand why uh i don't know how to talk about it without 
giving stuff away. I saw, I saw a trailer where she was flying through space, like blowing shit up, and I was like, "What?" Yeah. I was like, what is this? Yeah, that's that's that big CGI. I'm just a girl uh, scene. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so that's like maybe in the last twenty minutes of the movie. But yeah, it's because there's a big. Okay, I, I don't think I can talk too much about the powers or where they come from without spoiling it. But like. Even from the beginning. (laughs) Well, so she gets the powers from the Tesseract, which doesn't make sense. Because, you know, the Tesseract, like, first, they're like, oh, it destroyed uh, Red Skull back in First Avengers. First Avenger. And then somehow he became the guide to the last stone in Infinity War through that instead of dying. But then it also gives powers. And it's just this giant confusing thing. What what exactly does it do? Because it it like explodes. Somebody shoots it and it explodes and it gives her powers. People say a yeah. lot of that stuff for us too. It's this giant <laughs> confusing thing that just explodes and ruins people's lives. You know what? Every I don't week. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this movie. You don't want to comment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay Frank. Tell 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 us. Why Takashi Miike? Why now? And what did you learn? <laughs> That's good um, okay, so I'd only seen one before by uh, Takashi. What was it that I'd watched? Um, I'd seen... Give me a second. Okay, so I'd seen Blade of the Immortals, okay. which I really liked. Because it felt to me exactly what an anime would be if it was real life. Kind of. <laughs> just as exaggerated as it is so i thought that was very well done um so i was like well i have two choices uh, i had even uh uh direct messaged uh jared over twitter about werner herzog because i could have gone in either direction i was either going to watch several movies by werner herzog or several movies by takashi Mieke. and he i went with you, takashi he told you uh mike takashi no, he he. I really only asked him about Werner Herzog, mm. um, but I decided to go with Takashi just because his movies are shorter and uh, less story to talk about. I guess, <laughs> mm-hmm. seeing yeah. as these things run long when I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyways, I'll start with audition. I really love this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I see you. Well, let's see. RJ, like you gave movie. it. A, yeah, three and a three and a half. Yeah, I thought it was good. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think what really got me was the ending, just because I don't, I haven't seen that in a while. Where it's just they don't explain anything, like whether was it because he does wake up, and then he just goes back to sleep and like goes back to the torture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm assuming anyone listening has watched this, so. Spoilers. It, it's like what <laughs> 20 years old now yeah yeah i think you're safe don't worry okay. about that yeah. yeah so that idea that he just goes back to sleep and it just keeps going and ends on that and i was like i haven't seen a movie with that kind of ending in such a long time and i haven't even bothered to like look it up to you know find the the meaning behind the ending of the movie that don't matter. or whatever but I'm, I'm sure there's a, yeah. a youtube video explaining oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i just left it at that and i think 
the more I think about it, the more I like it because, you know, you just get to think about it and look back on it and just try to figure it out for yourself. All that stuff. I remember liking the uh, the sack yeah. that's just moving around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like that it is a um, a cautionary tale about like online dating pretty much and then before uh, online dating was a thing before it was a thing and then uh <laughs> i'm a big fan of the ding 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 oh, whatever yeah. that sound is yeah. everyone yeah. does it differently yeah but there's also i guess like it's been a while since i've seen it but now isn't there's kind of like a uh whatever you want to call it, a hashtag me too-esque element of like <laughs> this like sleazy like film producer angle of like using like the whole casting mm-hmm. project as like a dating mm-hmm. service yeah, I thought, like, <laughs> it's funny because I thought that was going to come up in some of the reviews I saw mm-hmm. uh, for the recent. And I don't know. For me, I didn't, like, I noticed it, of course. You notice it. But you kind of just don't mind. Because, one, it's a movie from 99. So mm-hmm. this stuff, this is probably the best that could happen to somebody who auditioned in Hollywood in real life. Like, hmm. just some guy trying to figure out whether he wants to date you or not instead of casting couch stuff, you know? So, it could have been a lot worse <laughs> for, for her, uh, but it ended up being bad for him. So, like you said, it's a cautionary tale. Just don't do bad things, people. <laughs> it's, we talked about it last week. It's so hard, though. Like, that Michael <laughs> Jackson thing. It's so yeah. hard. Not to just rape people all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that old chestnut. I think that was a quote from Jared. That's not something I said. Mm. And as of course, Frank, now that you're on the podcast, you can claim that <laughs> this is a character that you've created for the podcast and yeah. you don't actually mm-hmm. hold any of these beliefs. Yeah, I've been practicing the script for the last three hours to make sure yeah. everything is coming to no. uh, you guys' plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, for legal reasons, just make sure to state that uh, this is a character. <laughs> okay, this yeah. is a character. Awesome, um, you're safe. <laughs> what what I liked, I guess, in the, like concerning that is that they don't make it to where he's just completely happy with what he's doing. He even mentions it. He's like, you know, I feel this is wrong. There's something wrong about this. But because he finds somebody that he's so entranced with, he kind of does the bad thing anyways. And I feel like that's what so many people do. It's like, say, uh, a kid robbing, like, stealing a a piece of candy from the store. He knows it's bad, but he knows it's going to taste good Mm -hmm. once he eats it. But but then it turns out that that candy wants to be eaten because it's evil candy <laughs> poisoned <laughs> <laughs> yep and so like i don't know i like the idea that he at least thought that it was wrong and then still went and did it because that's reflective of what so many people do when they do bad things they're like i know it's bad but i'll do it anyways and then the consequences hit and you're like i wish i'd never done it <laughs> <laughs> i get that like every night when i eat stuff like i just <laughs> ate all that food and i'm like man Frank, why'd you let me do that? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, audition. And then I thought some of the the colors were really muted. But then, you know, you get to the blood and it's just like, okay, that's why. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and then we have uh, Ichi comes after that, like chronologically out of the movies he made. Yeah, I think. Well, at least from the ones that I watched. I'd like to hear an outsider's opinion on this movie. (laughs) 
it's... And I, oh, by outsider, I mean someone not me and Jarrett. <laughs> okay, so I I texted you guys about this. I was like, is it good? Because I, I saw RJ's review, <laughs> one star, and I'm like, okay, so there has to be something really bad about this movie. Something that would make RJ give it that one. Because almost nobody, well, I, almost none of the movies that you guys watch are always like usually a one. Like mm-hmm. most other people where they're either one or five stars. You guys do put the in-betweens. Um, but this was a one star. So I was like, okay, so something must have gone really bad. Either they kill a whole lot of animals <laughs> or, you know. And so you get in the first five minutes of the movie and there's a rape slash assault. So sexual assault mm-hmm. on uh, on this woman and just a guy watching, and it's so frustrating. Just <laughs> and that's I guess the point because that that build up that frustration that that character eventually mm-hmm. can't help and instead actually makes everything worse. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it's just so frustrating in the first five minutes you have you're forced to sit through this sexual assault mm-hmm. and like just and then it, there's it, the it, other it, nine and then, it, and then it never gets yeah. like it never lightens up yeah <laughs> no no it doesn't uh i thought i like i like uh the character pl- played by the guy on the cover what's his name oh the, uh, the, the, the kakihara Gil- yeah gill face mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i like his character i thought that was interesting uh, except for when he removes the piercing it's from his mouth and it just opens up like oh, a yeah. <laughs> little uh, <laughs> I thought that looked stupid the CGI is terrible yeah. of course mm-hmm. being a 2001 movie the CGI that stuck out most with me was uh, when that dude gets like uh, in my <laughs> skates that cut people oh, yeah. in half there's uh, <laughs> some questionable CGI there but you yeah. continue so okay I Anything that had to do with the Kakihara guy, I actually thought was really good. The the torture scene mm-hmm. with the guy like hooked up to the ceiling, I thought that was really good, despite it being brutal or whatever. Yeah. But then again, like you, we've we've seen worse <laughs> in the same movie, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so by the movie's terms, that scene's actually pretty okay. But um, yeah, like I don't. Because the CGI was so bad, I didn't see it as brutal. Because I, I've heard, like, I read up on it, and there's still it's still banned in so many countries. And it's like for the sexual assault scene, I understand, but like for the CGI stuff, it's just kind of well, maybe back then. But why is why still keep it banned? <laughs> why not, man? <laughs> well, Cause, yeah, because well, yeah. you sell more when I, it's I, uh, I, forbidden yeah. fruit. <laughs> I just wonder if it's just That's like true. lack of like no one even cares and it's just like kind of falling through the cracks yeah. and people will just get copies of it no matter what. Because if you live in the region, you can just get it on DVD and import it into your country and no, mm-hmm. they wouldn't even know. So that's I mean, probably it. I guess all this back and forth for me is just I don't know how I feel about this movie. Yeah, there's scenes I, there's scenes I like, uh, there's scenes I hate, and so that that's just all about all I can really say. I like the Kakihara guy. <laughs> he was like, uh, like if they had made a, a Japanese Batman movie, he would have played the Joker definitely. Yeah. Well, so yeah. I was gonna say, like, I remember uh, RJ wanted to borrow this way back when because it's on a lot of like <laughs> it's on top 
like horror movie list kind of and like kind of extreme <laughs> cinema. And I think that's probably yeah. where you would have heard about it. And I was like, I well, like I, I do own it. And I'm like, I don't think you're going to like it, <laughs> but he wants to borrow it. I'm like, I'm not going to like prevent him from making his own uh, mind up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so my experience, with this movie was the first time I watched it. I think I borrowed it from my sister-in-law who had the copy of this and watched it. And at the time I'm like, this is awesome. This is like this is like shortly after it come out. Like it was just like I'd never seen anything like this. This is just messed up. It's crazy. And I remember like my uh, feeling on it is because like the your like protagonist, he's kind of like somewhere between like the Hulk and Daredevil. Like he's got this like super berserker strength, and he wears like this kind of like skin tight like kind of like urban vigilante like tactical gear suit. But he murders people um, in these rages, and he's like impotent uh and versus like this bullseye character like or like joker like and it's like it was, it was like a really messed up dark superhero movie and that was like kind of like my takeaway for a while and then i rewatched it and i remember being like this is like kind of tough to get through like it's like very long and like weirdly paced and just like repetitive and it's like scut stuffing you're just like I don't care about this stuff. Like we're, I mean, it's, it's got yeah. The tone of it was like totally different the second time I watched it. So I'm not a defender of this movie or anything. I'm just kind of like, yep, that movie exists and people should, I guess, watch it because it's got that reputation. It's just like a, it's another notch in the belt, I guess, for yeah, these like transgressive uh, Asian gross-out movies. Because it has comedy and it has the violence and stuff, but. It doesn't mix well in a way, I guess. Like, at one Mm -hmm. point you're laughing and then you get to another, like, assault on a woman and just torture of a woman. And it's just like, uh, I I thought this was going to be funny for a while, Mm. you know? Yep. (laughs) And then it just kills the mood. Yeah, I just thought this movie was gross. Yeah. That's, like, my my only input on it. I was like, I... I thought it was real excessive. I was like, ah, I'm not into this. <laughs> I guess in a way, it's like watching that uh, Dr. Pimple Popper kind of show where you're like mm. kind of intrigued by how gross it is. That's how it was for me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm like, but, that was some stuff. But, no, no, nobody, yeah. uh, but you can't put, put your uh, Dr. Pimple Popper uh, views on Letterboxd. So. <laughs> that's mm. true. <laughs> Gross. But yeah, that's that's really all I can really say about that. Cause I wouldn't watch it again. I think to yeah. get another take on it, mm-hmm. I don't think I would watch it again for sure. Whereas audition, I felt was a lot more brutal, and it only had one scene really. And that... the, the the film craft is a lot better though too. Like, yes, it's, it's a way better made movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it kind of resembles like a ninety. I mean, it's it's a nineties thriller, and uh, so it's got those trappings where like, and then it has this real hard, hard dark twist, way darker than most things you'd see in like a like an American thriller. Because you're like, <laughs> oh, whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I feel like if if Ichi would have been better, it might have been to me like uh, that Park Chan Wook movie, um, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, mm-hmm. which I really liked. I've heard yeah. it was the weakest of the trilogy, of Vengeance trilogy, but I I really enjoyed that movie. And so to me, Ichi, if it had been done well, if it had like mixed the comedy with the the darker material, well, I feel like it could have been a five star for me. But mm-hmm. that wasn't to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I watched Thirteen Assassins, but I'll just keep that one short by. Uh, reading my letterbox review which is 13 assassins more like seven samurai 
plus six more samurai. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> you know what I would have went with, Frank? <laughs> what? More like 13 ass ass ends. You Double see what ass. I did there? <laughs> I yeah. do. Uh, wow. Which that's such, that's what we in here call the big because su- su- such wit here on the <laughs> podcast. This yeah. this movie, the only scene I do want to talk about is the big battle scene at the end. It's basically, yeah, it's, it's, the, I don't know, it's the whole movie that builds toward the big battle scene. <laughs> yeah, it, it's basically Seven Samurai, but an hour, about two hours shorter, and uh, contemporary. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, I liked it. I've seen Seven Samurai. I haven't seen the original Thirteen Assassins, which I assume was a ripoff of Seven Samurai in some way. Um, but there's this one scene during the battle where, at the opening, they got two of the things that you guys hate the most. First, they got animal abuse. It's CGI mm. animal abuse, but it's still animal. And they got CGI fire. I don't even like wide animal abuse. (laughs) It's CGI cows lit with Mm. CGI fire charging towards the group of uh, enemy soldiers. And I was like, this is the best scene to talk about on the Criterion (laughs) Kids podcast. They'll love this. (laughs) I don't like any of them. Jared will roll his eyes. (laughs) RJ will go, hmm. Yep. <laughs> and then you guys will want to kick me off the podcast and bring it up at all. <laughs> we kick people off for less. Yeah. There was a third host at one time. <laughs> yeah, it, episode we zero. Actually got, yeah, we actually got 40 episodes deep, and uh, we disliked him so much, we went back and re-recorded every one. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Re-edited some of the ones that you guys liked better, but he was just yeah. ruining it. Yeah, lots of, yeah I, <laughs> lots of re-recording and editing out. Yeah, uh, I've seen 13 Assassins. Uh, I remember I think I bought this from Walmart on Blu-ray, like when it came out in like 2010. Uh, I remember liking it, but like I don't really remember too much about it other than I, I do recall the big battle at the end being pretty awesome, very action-packed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, at this point, it's like a more mature uh, Takashi Miike uh, 10 yeah. years later. And uh, I, I, well, I, yeah. He made Blade of the Immortal yep. sometime after, which his, is basically hundredth film, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you 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 take uh, you take Ichi and you mash it up with uh, with Thirteen Assassins, all the good stuff from Ichi. You mash it up with Thirteen Assassins, and you get Blade of the Immortal. Yeah, which you, is why I like it so much. I haven't. I'm not. I'm not really big on on manga and anime because i overloaded back in 2016 mm-hmm. just try to watch so much and read so much that i just i couldn't handle it anymore until you puke <laughs> oh yeah. yeah yeah all over the place no <laughs> um okay so i do have a giant list of movies that i could talk about because i think i also watched i think that might that? be i think we should be good right there <laughs> yeah no okay i do just want to mention okay. uh recommend at eternity's gate um what's that, with that Willem Dafoe. Uh, oh no. no that's the the art movie uh-huh i yeah. do want to recommend that and that's it because the other ones that i do want to talk about if i could was uh Koyani's Katsi and Le Samurai. But you guys have those, those coming up one, like one, in eight one. years or something. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to get ahead <laughs> of ourselves. <laughs> Maybe you and uh, Oliver Granger will be running the show in eight years and you'll have a time to talk <laughs> about they'll, they'll have a curse and we'll be dead. It'll be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No. Mm, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, that before, could work. But uh, we will say uh, what news. What news do we have? I, I've got nothing. I got nothing. Frank. I have Sean Baker on acid while he watches his movies. Is that what he's doing now? <laughs> okay, so he his last movie he reviewed, maybe not the last one. So basically, he put up uh, in his you know he has his letterbox. I'm pretty sure all of us follow him. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody should. But I was looking through the comment section. What was it? I think climax. Okay. And so somebody. Oh, so he he says in his uh, in his review, he's like, okay, so I took an edible and it like affected me at the right moment in the movie. So and so then like in the comment section, they're like, oh, uh, you know, Sean Baker does weed, guys, bro, <laughs> and all that stuff. And everybody's uh, like, you're the best, Sean. And then somebody just asks, hey, Sean, you ever done acid? You ever dropped acid? And he's just like. Yes, <laughs> he's he's given in to these people, and now everybody's like, "Oh, Sean Baker." But I'm looking at it, and I'm just like, "Okay, I've I've never been into drugs at all. Like, I don't, mm, yeah. not even tried stuff. I've always hated it. The smell, the just the look of people on drugs. I always thought was terrible. Yeah, um, it's a good way to be. Yeah, <laughs> and so like the idea that you would watch something. And try to get like some value out of it while you're on the substance just out of your mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know, okay, in a way, it's kind of because I, I know RJ, sometimes you drink before you watch a movie. I do, <laughs> but not when I'm watching a movie for real, not, not normally. And it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Like, I can have a beer or two and. I'm okay. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm not like <laughs> scratching at the walls and stuff. So that's a little different. But if I'm gonna put down six or six or ten, it's only for special movies like King Arthur, where I know <laughs> I'm going in for something special. But yeah, I don't do that that often. I I agree with you. If you're gonna watch a movie and then like, especially if it's like your job, like. <laughs> like him rating like reviewing movies and stuff and yeah he was like this movie is great on weed man and you're like okay weed. real california guy <laughs> man jared's all about that chronic yeah. he's blazing he's rubbing the weed oil on his head right now yeah there's some uh there, up here there's some like letterboxed uh reviews i come across they're like it seems like all they're doing is like substances while they watch movies and then that like qualifies their opinion and you're just like no not in and the least. I guess it just taints my idea of him because you guys have heard. I'm always like, oh, Sean's awesome. He'll reply to you if you leave a comment. And, yeah, he does reply, but he also replies to the bad things. And now I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, he directed the Florida Project. These little kids that uh running around him and stuff. And you start to think maybe he was dropping a little bit of acid during that uh, last, uh, was it two minutes, the Disneyland scene or something. Just how, (laughs) I don't know. I bet he was dropping more than a little acid. And if he's listening, (laughs) what was it? (laughs) You know, I don't want to know because it might just mess up that high image I've made of him. He was on that huge pedestal for me just as like this guy that literally came from nothing makes a movie with an iPhone and just, you know, a tangerine and just wins all the 
what was it? Was it at Cannes or I don't remember what it was. He won a few awards for that Tangerine movie. He did. I just thought that was cool because you know, wanting to be a filmmaker one day. Uh, still waiting to see Capes to see uh, how we can top that. <laughs> the world is waiting. Who can? Yeah, you know, I, you anybody can put their movie on uh, Amazon Prime. And, like, you can upload your own movies because I, I listen to another podcast. They're not great, so I'm not going to give them a shout-out. They're oh, pretty good. boring. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the guy put his movie, and he was like, okay, I'm going to sponsor my movie, guys. Please support it. And I go to it, and it's trash. It's terrible. It's, like, there's no, uh, like, like if he had no knowledge of editing. And, like, this is a, a podcast that, only like focuses on criterion movies and so it's like you have all this influence and you still couldn't get it right (laughs) which i mean not everybody's gonna you know but like you you'd expect something to be good and there there was nothing almost nothing not everyone can make capes that's right (laughs) yeah that really uh five-star affair that only one person has seen on letterboxd it's a little unfair <laughs> the, the, the to the co- world. That's not I think. true. That's not true. My co my co my co my co director has seen it. At least one other person <laughs> has seen it. It's... Did you even show it to the actors? Uh I don't know if they've seen it. Wow. One, one definitely has. But uh, there there was there was a theater. There was a theater full of people who saw it. But that was in two thousand five yeah. and I was like six years old in that's, kindergarten. That's your Jared. problem. And you know what? My teacher was Canadian. She could have taken me up there, but she yeah. didn't. Because she's, she's a lousy Canadian. <laughs> yeah, she's living in Georgia, so that kind of gives you a hint of what kind of Canadian she is. Tells, tells you about her real uh, <laughs> commitments. <laughs> her loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, so capes. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm going to look. I know one day I'm going to get rid of the 20 movies that are on my watch list, and Capes is on there. Yep. So that has to go, Jared, or else I will be left in frustration forever. Yeah, always be and that I, might one. Not, <laughs> I might not email back in if I don't get to see Capes. Mm. It, so. it could be a Patreon goal, but I mean, <laughs> Jared can't be trusted with those Patreons. Like, I remember one time he said that uh, I would see some of that, and it just, you know, up in the air. And now here I am <laughs> editing every episode, and buying all the movies fun, fun, and it's just fun fact <laughs> rj doesn't have a paypal account just e-transfer it like a normal person or <laughs> better yet we live in the same city just hit me with that cold hard cash baby you'd have to actually come to see me at one time i will yeah, eventually. yeah, yeah. and well, it'll turn into a real uh audition scenario over the money it's <laughs> not a bad idea not a bad idea <laughs> Well, I think that's it, folks. We got, mm-hmm. a movie, we got a movie to talk about. Oh, yeah. After the break, we're going to be scrapping, yelling, and mixing it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Shag Ass.
child grows up to be somebody that just loves to learn and another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn mom loves the both of them you see it's in the got a minute what are you doing here uh, i need a favor I want to spend some time with you and the children. Are you crazy? Well, wait a minute, damn it. Stop following me. Well, I want my family back. Well, you can't have it. I'm sorry for you, but it's too late. There were three extraordinary children in the Tenenbaum family. Margot Tenenbaum was an acclaimed playwright and won a Pulitzer Prize in the ninth grade. What'd you think, Dad? Mm, didn't seem believable to me. Richie Tenenbaum was a champion tennis player ranked second in the world by age 17. Chaz Tenenbaum was a financial expert and started buying real estate in his early teens. I said, sell it, yeah. Well, I'm on my way. They were brilliant. They were famous. They were unlucky enough to be the children of a man named Royal Tenenbaum. He also stole bonds out of my safety deposit box when I was 14. <laughs> now, for the first time in 22 years, they are all living together under the same roof. I hear you're dying. Oh, how long are you gonna last? month, a year. I've got six weeks to set things right. <laughs> I want this family to love me. Right, Lisa. You know who I am? I'm your granddad. His name is Royal Tenenbaum. He told us he was already dead. Let's hit it. Yeah! How are you feeling? I'm having a ball. Scrapping and yelling. You stay away from my children. Do you understand? My God, I haven't been in here for years. Hey! Are you listening to me? Yes, I am! Mixing it up. Are you trying to steal my woman? I beg your pardon. I want you out of my house! Oh, yeah? Right off! Loving every minute with this damn crew. Yeah. What's so funny? It's these little expressions of yours. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> How interesting. How bizarre. Thirty years ago, I was knifed in a bazaar in Calcutta. He carried me to the hospital on his back. Who stabbed you? He did. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. This week, we're joined by Frank uh, via Patreon. He manned up, dropped that $50 to be here. Hi, Frank. Welcome back. You could, you What's could, up? You could hear his work previously <laughs> on... What episode was that don't, again? In the mood for love. Stop. I was really nervous. <laughs> I'm not so nervous now. I feel pretty good. I'm sitting on my sofa. Yeah, you've <laughs> yeah you've gotten over our handsomeness, I guess, in the time being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, that illusion I build of me being this elite sexual machine has uh, faded away when he watched me eat an entire burger tonight. Yeah. And this week, <laughs> tonight, we're talking about... The Royal Tenenbaums, from 2001, directed by Wes Anderson. The tagline for this film, family isn't a word, it's a sentence. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? I've never heard that before. Is that, that on the DVD? Uh, it's, on, it's in the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer uh, for this. I'm not a weirdo. Who who made? Because in the mood for love had a terrible one too. Yeah. The the 
pizza like, the pizza hut commercial kind of <laughs> in the move for love in the move for romance pizza. so the synopsis <laughs> for royal tenenbaums royal tenenbaum and his wife ethylene had three children and then they separated all three children are extraordinary all geniuses. Virtually all memory of the brilliance of the young Tenenbaums was subsequently erased by two decades of betrayal, failure, and disaster. Most of this was generally considered to be their father's fault. The Royal Tenenbaums is the story of the family's sudden, unexpected reunion one recent winter. Uh, winter? No, I guess it does snow. <laughs> it, it, does, it does snow. Yeah, a little okay. bit. I was thrown it's off mostly... for a second there. I was like, what? It's like mostly powder they're throwing at Gene Hackman. It doesn't really look like snow. <laughs> so, hey, uh, this is a movie I've seen many, many, many times. Uh, How many? More than I can count. It, it's, okay. it's, it's part of like a certain echelon of movie. Uh, I throw like a movie like Big Lebowski, uh, Ghost World, Fargo, mm-hmm. the best of like the Coen brothers, uh, Casino, uh, that, that sort of thing. Movies are just like I would watch constantly when I was a, a young man just out of uh, high school, taking university for that first time around. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I love this movie. It's uh, mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and for those reasons, we'll discuss why uh, this movie works so well for me. And I, I'm really looking forward later on uh, to talk about the people who hate this movie. Because, <laughs> no, because, uh, no. like, because, uh, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I didn't even think about that. Oh, man. Wes, and- <laughs> okay, well, yeah, we'll get there. Wes Anderson haters are just like a dime a dozen. It's just like shooting fish yeah. in a barrel. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, they seem like, I don't know, they're like me with Marvel movies. You just keep watching them, hoping that you're going to get it one day, but it's never going to happen. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wes Anderson. So yeah, Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, I had seen Rushmore before this had come out. I think I probably had seen Bottle Rocket. And so there was a lot of anticipation for me for when Royal Tenenbaums was finally going to come out on DVD from Criterion because this was a movie that uh, when it played in theaters in 2001, it never played anywhere near me. And uh, my only opportunity to see it was when Criterion dropped it, which I was in Edmonton at the time uh, on summer vacation with my parents. And I remember like making a point to go to uh, a now defunct electronics chain future shop to buy it on July 9th, 2002. And then I had to like wait several days before I was home to watch it on a DVD player. And I, and that, and that I did. And uh, yeah, I, ever since I've basically just loved this movie. Um, So what's this movie all about? Well, it's about this guy, this bad dad played by Gene Hackman, one Royal Tenenbaum. Uh, The whole like history of this family plays out in the course of like the first five, 10 minutes uh, rapid paced. We get like a, this like storybook framework. Uh, someone's signing out a book on the Royal Tenenbaums from a library. It gets flipped around. It opens up. We get a prologue. Uh, Alec Baldwin supplies this <laughs> wonderful voiceover narration uh, written in this kind of like uh, erudite, kind of uh, lofty voiceover, just laying out the whole family of works that kind of like runs contrary to like the. Um, the kind of like darker ironic tone of the whole movie. Um, Cause like when you actually strip this movie's story down, there's like a t- completely different movie from a different director that could have been made from this material. And it would be dour. And I don't think we would be talking about that movie. Um, and that's, I think speaks so much to like what Wes Anderson does with his, like this is him just beginning to really get into that formalism that he's now like notorious for, I guess. 
because um, this movie to me still kind of resembles reality to a certain degree. It's like he's starting to get into like that that's that fairy tale sort of fable kind of feeling that is here. Mm-hmm. Like the the settings, the fact that this movie is set in New York City, but it's he doesn't want anything recognizably New York in it, so he has like street signs changed and like fake bus lines, fake cabs. Like he's replaced all these New Yorkian things because he wants to keep it still like he wants that look of it and the warmth of it, but he doesn't want it to be like set in reality. And it's the beginning of that. And he gets crazier with that as time goes on uh, with his future films. But this is like the last film. I feel that like his foot is still like in reality. And it's like part of this, the camera work suggests that um, the, the way that things are shot, uh, it still feels like, yeah, this like could be happening around the corner in my upper East side, whatever New York, community wherever i don't know new york but um anyway (laughs) um so yeah this is a story about this bad dad uh disbarred lawyer royal tenenbaum who uh basically was run out of his family by his family uh and he's been living out of a hotel for years and he's broke and uh he gets word from his uh, inside man, the house servant Pagoda, who's still over at the, the Tenenbaum house proper. And he's heard that his wife has uh, been proposed by uh, the family accountant, Henry, uh, played by uh, Mr. Glover. And um, yeah, so this kind of like puts a fire under his ass about like, yeah, you know what? I don't want that to happen. I can't, I can't handle this. And uh, I, so I'm going to ingratiate myself back into the family. Uh, and uh, upon going to the doctor uh for like some like i don't know heart heart uh, rate stuff he kind of concocts this whole plot that he's going to be dying of cancer and uh that's how he's going to get back in with the family and uh kind of smooth things over and perhaps disrupt uh his wife uh having some happiness uh and like getting over him mm-hmm. um and then while this is happening you have like the the three stories of the kids um happening uh, and they're all just messed up and uh, dealing with their own problems. Uh, we have Margot Tenenbaum. The I don't even know how to begin to describe her. She she's got a lot going on. She's married to a psychiatrist, Bill Murray. Um, she's kind of like been just trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life and be happy and failing at it, as we all do. Mm-hmm. Um, we got Chaz played by. Ben Stiller, uh, playing Ben Stiller in every Mm -hmm. Ben Stiller movie there's ever been. (laughs) And that's okay. Okay. (laughs) Like it works well here. I'm fine with that. But it's like one of those things where like you you go back, like you you get Ben Stiller drama mode where it's like, I don't know the difference between him and like the Ben Stiller you get in like Meyerowitz stories. Like when he's doing Mm -hmm. Noah Baumbach stuff, I guess like Greenberg was kind of a different type of character for him. He's a little bit more like like full on neurotic and strange in this, where this is like, he's still a family man trying to hold things together. Um, Where does happy Gilmore Ben Stiller fit in? Oh, uh, see, we don't get enough of that. Well, I guess that's, okay. that's in a uh, dodgeball or is it dodgeball? Is yeah. It? Yeah. 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 There you yeah, go. Keep going. So anyway, going. so we have him, he's dealing with his wife who died. Um, and so he's kind of like, I mean, he's dealing with like post-traumatic stress disorder stuff. And, but in this mm-hmm. movie, it doesn't feel like it's not that heavy handed sort of thing. It's kind of done in this like 
way that a family would treat it. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, he's dealing with some stuff. Yeah. Let's just skim right over that. And, like, he'll figure it out. He'll snap out of it one of these days. But we'll have to deal with his, like, tantrums and his explosions. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's what Ben Stiller's famous for. And then, like, I guess you'd call the protagonist of the movie, Richie, old Luke Wilson, who's mm-hmm. just disappeared, it seems, from, like, I don't know, my neck of the woods of watching movies. I haven't seen him in anything forever. Um, he's the he bomb. He was in old school. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so he's the bomber, uh, disgraced tennis star. Everyone mm-hmm. knows him because, like, it, this is in a movie world where, like, people give a shit about tennis. And uh, he's, like, he's decided, like, the thing that's been holding him up is that he's in love with his adopted uh, sister, uh, Margot Tenenbaum. Uh, old Gwyneth Paltrow, and he's coming back after being abroad globally, sailing the seas, uh, trying to find himself and escape his problems and f- until he realizes, hey, this is what's making me miserable. I've got to go do something about that. And he comes back and everything kind of like coalesces at the exact same time where the whole family winds up back under the roof for the first time in 17 years. Um, and hijinks ensue and drama ensues. Um, I, I can't say enough about like, I love this movie. I, mm-hmm. it's one of my all-time favorites. I say some more about it. I love it, RJ. Um, I'll, I can throw it up to you guys, but like the next thing I'll mention maybe is that this soundtrack for this movie, I bought this movie, uh, soundtrack and CD, I think sometime after it came out. Cause I tur- it turns out, I didn't know this. There's actually two versions of the CD that came out within a year of itself. Uh, and the first version didn't actually have all the songs, like it was missing the, uh, the one John Lennon song on there, uh, the Paul Simon song, uh, Julio, me and Julio down in the schoolyard. That wasn't on that version. Uh, fortunately, I had the second release that included those songs. Uh, neither soundtrack included any of the Rolling Stones songs, which I'm sure RJ is indifferent to. But uh, it's, it's just the most overrated music uh, that you can get. <laughs> I, I like those Beatles songs, though. Yeah. So yeah, I've like I've listened to this CD probably like more. I, I guess that makes sense. Then I've watched the movie, uh, and that like really I think adds to my nostalgia and softness with this movie. Because um, it's like I'll just be watching it, and like this music kicks in, and I'm like, oh yeah, this reminds me of like a really great time in my life when I was just like had a lot less problems less bills and uh (laughs) and i could just be like yeah i I remember uh i remember this period of my life that was that was a good time i had my whole future ahead of me so (laughs) Uh, sad pathetic loser (laughs) uh so do you guys uh have any uh favorite piece of music from this movie from that soundtrack Mm, frank you go first i don't know the name of the song but it's the the bus scene uh, oh, uh, these, the, the, uh, the Nico these days. That's the song I get stuck in my head every time yeah. I watch this movie. It's to the point where my my brother, he's like, "What are you even singing? Where do you find this stuff?" And it's that song. <laughs> these days. Uh, I think for me, Jer, it would be uh, Elliot Smith oh, in that yep. uh, the big scene. We'll get but there. It's, actually, though, the thing about that for me is. Um, I don't actually like that Elliot Smith song that much, but just hearing old Elliot, I was like, hey, because I, I knew Elliot Smith was in this movie, but um, I couldn't remember what song it was. And then when Needle in the Hay was playing, mm. I was like, oh, that's the song that they use in the scene. I was like, weird, because I had seen the movie. And then a couple years later, uh, I got really into his music, Jarrett, when was, I was, was like, that finding af- myself. A- was that after he killed himself? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I got I started listening to him like I don't know maybe ten years ago. So he had he was dead by then, right? Yes. Yeah. Like I I know from Goodwill Hunting and this, but I don't think I actually when I had like a bunch of his CDs and not just stuff that was used in movies. But anyways, keep going about uh, things that you were talking about. Okay. Um, I guess the other thing I would throw out to y'all would be uh, favorite character. For me, I would mm. say uh, Eli Cash, uh, played by Owen Wilson, who co-wrote the film with Wes mm-hmm. Anderson. And uh, I guess it makes sense that he would give himself such a material, considering he's just a fringe character. Because um, mm-hmm. he also co-wrote Rushmore with uh, Wes. Uh, yeah. And he's not in that movie, which is a... Uh, which is a bummer because uh, him and they've been pals since back to the ball rocket days. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Eli Cash, man, it's like every every scene, he's like, this is B character. And I like, I love his character so much. And it's mm-hmm. like, because it's like, again, we've talked about in other films in the Criterion Collection where it's like drug addicts and people who are like on the fringe. And you can think about how those movies present those characters. And in this, it's just like, oh, yeah, no, his life's falling apart. But it never, like, really feels like it's, like, derailing the movie and becoming about that. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, he's he's on drugs. And uh, it's, like, not until the very end that he does something that actually, like, causes, like, property damage and animal death. Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, Wes Anderson hates dogs, which got, is weird. He's, he's got an agenda, RJ. Yeah, I'll talk about that later. But yeah. uh, just to go off of well, your Eli Cash... I, I really like his denim paintings, uh, all the guys in denim in his paintings. And uh, I also, I, I agree with you. I think he's really good when he's talking and he's like, we all know Custer bu- died at this place, <laughs> but maybe he didn't. But, but, oh, but it's like, uh, pre, pre, I think it's a uh, presuppose. That, that's, the, that's like where I first ever heard that word in my life. I yeah. think when I watch this, it's like, well, everyone knows Custer died at Little Bighorn. What this book presupposes is, Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> yeah. I am so like, it's, it's oh. very good. I uh, have... Sorry, Frank, you were going to say something. Yeah. Oh, um, oh the, was it the, the interview? He's just wild cats. Well, it's well, <laughs> looking into I, the I, I, I have it here. Wildcat was written <laughs> in a kind of obsolete vernacular. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, and it's, okay. I'm going to go. And uh, he gets up from his uh, pseudo Charlie Rose interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant. There's the other one, uh, which is uh, when he's like, he's talking to Margo on the phone. Why would a review make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? And he just, you didn't even have to think about it, did you? It's just like, uh, <laughs> goddamn. Is he wants that uh, appreciation? Ah, uh, I can't say it. Presuppose? Appreciation. Oh. Uh, he wants the appreciation so bad. Always wanted to, <laughs> always wanted to be a Tenenbaum. Because they had it, it so easy. Did you have any favorite characters, Frank? Or just all of them? Uh, I think Margot. Oh, yeah. I think from the first, like... The, I think that's why my favorite scene is that bus scene. It's just... I don't know. I've never been a fan of Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm-hmm. I've always bought that idea of like her being the little snobby rich girl who like you know with her little website where she promotes random things that only rich people can buy stuff like that mm-hmm. what's, but, the, what's the name of her uh, child <laughs> goop 
Oh no, that's the name <laughs> of her, like, her product that she sells. Is goop. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> not the name all of her of, child. <laughs> <laughs> all of that just kind of. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I've never found any of her movies very or any of her characters very appealing. Aside from like Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, Heart Eight, and then there was this movie where I love her character because because like in real life she's kind of the snobby rich girl mm. in a way she translates the sad part into this character which is also a kind of snobby rich girl but at the same time very sad <laughs> yeah and it's just her eyes just the how the makeup kind of brings out the the sad puppy eyes that's what you <laughs> say about me too <laughs> The makeup brings out the sad puppy eyes you in you. See it now. You yeah. you got a glimpse at the mm-hmm. real deal here. Oh, you know what's up. All, 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 <laughs> all the girls are jealous of those uh, eyebrows or those uh, eyelashes, RJ. And the eyebrows <laughs> and, and the those eyebrows. Big sparkling baby you, blues. Yeah, you got the the glitter in the beard and everything. The girls are especially jealous of that. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah, so you know, I've like, oh, I know a lot of women who like also love this movie, and like they just like Margot is a very like important character for them and mm-hmm. like i was like kind of like when i was watching this i was like kind of like thinking about that it's like there's like certain elements like the way she dresses like it's kind of like this mm-hmm. vintage style that like is still pretty popular um but like mm-hmm. there's also like her, the, the way that they that i guess like wes anderson and owen wilson with gwyneth paltrow the way they nailed this character in this movie like she isn't like there like for the usual reasons that this character is like she's fully realized. I think she has goals. She has this like real sadness about her and like mm-hmm. the, the, the way she's treated by people. She has like this whole secret life of things that she's doing, but she's doing it cause she wants to be noticed and, uh, and nobody, and nobody gets her. And like, there's certain things that she denies herself and she's just kind of going along to be liked by people. And because she was always thinking about other people and like never thinks about herself, and that's why she's always sad. And I don't know that's that might not even be the right interpretation of it, but I think there's like such a complexity to her that I find that like I don't know if a lot of movies have a character as like uh, realized as Margot Tenenbaum. Oh yeah, and I'm like a, I'm a huge feminist. Uh, like I'm not afraid to say I think women should run the world, uh, kick us guys to the curb, in all honesty. And so like to see. Because I've always heard complaints of, like, Wes Anderson. Oh, he he writes uh, only white males. Like, in his... And, like, in a way, it, that makes sense. He, he is a white man. How is he going to write anyone else any better? But then he writes characters like Margot, who... She's white, but she's also a woman. And, like, yeah, like you said, all the complexities of how... Uh, how she... she goes about hiding the things that she wishes people would notice despite like i guess because she wants people to dig deep right to really try to get to know her in a way when nobody does because everybody's off with their own problems that's a good point i like the way you put that hiding the things that want to be noticed yeah yeah, it's just like all of us, man. I know Jared's got secrets, lots of secrets, <laughs> not good ones. Yeah. <laughs> R- R- RJ, your favorite character? Who me? Uh, I I have one for sure, but I will give an honorable mention to uh, my my man Bill Murray um, playing Oliver Sacks. Yeah, uh, which I, I love so much. Uh, Oliver Sacks actually came to our university once a couple he, years he, ago. He did. So uh, I um. I watched this movie before I knew about Oliver Sacks, but after I 
actually when I was doing my psych degree, um, like it comes up, he did a lot of like neuro uh, disorders and things like that. So I, I love the, his delivery of certain lines, like when they first introduce him and he's getting Dudley to do that puzzle. And he's like, where are you going to put that red one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like stuff yeah. like that. I, I love that so much, but um, to be full honest and it's probably the easy answer, but I don't think you get better than the main man Gene. himself, Gene Hackman, Royal Tenenbaum. Uh, I've mentioned on this show before many times, I miss Gene Hackman. I wish he was still around. I I, I wish oh, that man. Welcome to Mooseport wasn't the last movie that he would leave on uh, this world. RJ, you're stealing my notes. <laughs> About Welcome to Mooseport? It's like, no, I wrote Gene Hackman. You know, I wish the Hackman had stopped here instead of doing Runaway Jury and Welcome to Mooseport oh, as his retirement I, film. I know, it bums me out so much, but I actually... I know that he like uh, he said stuff where he felt that he wouldn't do a good job in this role because yeah. he didn't really he turned he it down initially. Like, yeah, because he didn't really like Royal Tenenbaum, and he didn't. <laughs> he was like, I don't, I don't think that's me. But uh, there's, and I think there are certain aspects that I can see, like uh, I don't know the dog fighting probably. Uh, but there's things with him that I love so much. His like again, his delivery of line lines like how blunt he is when he talks to people but uh the biggest thing is like i don't relate to anything more than him hiding in the closet eating cheeseburgers drinking <laughs> martinis and smoking darts because you guys just watched me eat a burger in, in my closet so uh i love that i think he's Everything about oh, him, I think, is so him eating his smooth. goddamn. Car, he's eating uh, hamburgers because he's got, but he's got stomach cancer. Stomach cancer, <laughs> it's like it's, so it's, it's hilarious. Uh, yeah, like everything about him, like he's. I think he's just. He comes off so cool that I. I don't know. Maybe that's me. It's just the ideal that I hope to be. It's like, man, I wish I could be royal. <laughs> what casu- like, casually racist? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Like, destroy a family. Right on. Uh, I love that. What are you doing, Coltrane? Oh, fuck. You just call me Coltrane. Oh. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Then, but then there's the wait, the pause, and then. But if I had called you that, you wouldn't be able to do anything about it. <laughs> Which, I mean, he's only being racist because he wants him out. Because he's never racist to the other, uh, to what's his name, uh, Bogota. Or any, he, yeah. yeah, he loves Pagoda. He saved his life. Yeah, after he well, himself. Yeah. There, there's that scene though. Like <laughs> there's like that moment where he's like, when like it's just like him and Chaz, and he's just like, uh, or I think it's or is it Richie? He's like. Oh, big black bucks moving in on your mom, huh? And it's like, I'm like, oh God, it's like the, I've been in those situations where some guys like, oh yeah, you, you're just a white guy like me. I can, I can just start talking like real honest with you right now. Cause, and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like, you don't, don't be making assumptions here, my friend. And you're just like, you're just out of yourself. But it's like, oh my God. It's like, that's what, that's what those types of dudes do. And I guess RJ uh, is okay with that. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, come <laughs> <laughs> you no one can can deny that he is not a charming likable oh, monster he's, he's very charming he's uh hilarious he, hey, what am i my next emotional. question rj was uh yes. fav, favorite quote favorite quote from this movie uh mine Ooh. is a uh is a is a um royal quote and it's like when him and uh henry are running along he's like i've always been considered an asshole uh, asshole for about as long as i can remember that's just my style 
That's I, just my style. I, I I love that so much. <laughs> so I actually I like that one a lot too. I had that written down because uh, that was one of my favorites. Um, the one I said uh, want me to talk jive right on. I like that a lot too. Uh, but I gotta say it's it's dumb. But the way that you left on the preamble, the uh, let's shag ass. Yes. Uh, yeah. I don't know why, but I find that so funny every time hilarious. I hear that. Let's shag ass. So. Uh, there, there's even more than that, but I don't know. Uh, I also really like uh, There Are No Teams, which is just, I think it's, it sets up the movie as a whole. Family. You get like, Gene Hackman's no bitter laugh or his like mean <laughs> laugh after he shoots his kid and then and he, then uh, return fire and he misses. He's like, ha, 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 and he runs away. It's, it's, it's so it's petty. Hilarious. Oh, there's the <laughs> other amazing. line uh, like where it's like uh, when Marco is like uh, when there are kids and she's like, oh, how do you like to play? I, I, I just didn't find it very believable. <laughs> it's so, it's a bunch of kids in Halloween in like animal costumes. <laughs> That one is good. Like that's why I like when he's so blunt, and then uh, when he's talking to Ben Stiller's kids, he's like, "I'm sorry about your mom. She was uh, terribly, terribly attractive." attractive. <laughs> uh, it's he's the best. Do you have any uh, favorite lines, Frank? Or uh, off the top of my head, I have two, maybe three. Okay, so uh, we're burnt to a crisp, <laughs> um, or stuff mm-hmm. like uh, Owen Wilson saying, "Here I come" as he's driving towards the house for the. <laughs> And then, oh, what's the other one I had? I had another one. I, I can't remember at the moment, but when I do, I'll, I'll let you guys in on it. Just <laughs> drop it. Whenever it happens, just say it like immediately, oh, even if Jared's talking. I got it. It's, uh, did you say something? <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's like, I didn't, I didn't say anything. He's like, oh, okay. I was, I'm, I'm just, was it he took, um, uh, Mescaline? What is it called? Mescaline? He's like, I took mescaline. I'm oh, out of it. Oh, when you're sitting in the office, yeah. <laughs> Just casually, casually lets him in on how messed up he is. <laughs> there's also, uh, yeah, there's like, yeah, there's so much, like, just the, the Wes Anderson style on uh, display here, like, the, the deadpanness of all this dialogue. You have, like, Dudley just talking about, there's a dent, there's a dent in this car. And there's another one, one. two, three. <laughs> I think my favorite Dudley, other than the Bill Murray's, uh, where's that red one going to go? Um when uh they're taking the questions and someone's like can he tell time and they both just <laughs> laugh and they're like oh no, no. yeah it's uh, like the casual like dismissal of it they're like what are you they're like what are you dumb and of course he can't it's good stuff but, yep. uh hey this movie was at least nominated for best original screenplay by the that academy it? that was it uh, I'm gonna see what won that year, but uh, you guys keep talking about other things. Um, well, I don't know. I I think I'll throw it uh, at Frank, who's nice. uh, paid money to be here to talk about this movie. So, it's Frank, what, what what did you think of the Royal Tenenbaums? Uh, a real one star affair, I yeah. think. <laughs> Pretty uh, low brow, hey. <laughs> Uh, no, it's a five star affair. Obviously, it's everything that Wes Anderson like. It's the it's the best of what Wes Anderson has to offer in many ways, and like, I think it's his best script, definitely. Like, just the way every character has their background, has their motivation, has their 
like even the minor characters, even uh, the kids, even um, Uzi and Ari. And yeah, <laughs> like just just every like like you always see this. Uh, I don't know. He always has uh, Margot and and uh, Henry stand next to each other, and like as I was watching, I realized that there's one scene where she's actually reading the book that he wrote on accounting. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like without them even speaking to each other, they kind of have this little friendship just on screen without words. And like mm-hmm. just things like that, little details that nobody like none of these other directors who use comedy or try to be whimsical in any way can really get like like Roman Coppola <laughs> his, yeah. uh, his future or, collaborator who like tries to do this type of thing even like Noah Baumbach but I think he's kind of figured out his own mm-hmm. uh, the vibe mumblecore stuff kind of thing um, I don't know if he's mumblecore-ish because his stuff's pretty pretty slick uh, and he's got like I don't know. He's, yeah, yeah. He's but he's kind of like I mean he's he went down more like the Woody Allen path, whereas uh, Wes Anderson I think is like uh, more interested in like film, like as like Ozu mm-hmm. would be like in like trying to like make like he's like like I don't know. I always think of Wes Anderson in some ways in like Tim and Tarantino are very similar and like they're really in love with cinema and like just trying mm-hmm. out stuff, but they have such a uh, a style of their own. And I think Noah Baumbach though, I mean he just basically is making. Woody Allen movies in some ways like but they're I mean they're good versions like I like Noah Baumbach movies but because I always th- I link him up with this type of material like this New Yorkness like uh, the squid and the whale um just always like I think of these movies as kind of like the same idea of like you're aloof kind of New York parents and like kids who are getting messed up by like academics and like professionals who aren't really they, they have an idea of what kids should be and they just wind up like uh neuroses <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally um, and then when I saw uh, what's his name Seymour Castle as Dusty oh yeah I had recent I had recently watched uh, Rushmore maybe about two or three months ago yeah you kind of went on a Wes Anderson kick at that point yeah cause I hadn't the only one I hadn't seen was Bottle Rocket at the time so it was uh, free to watch on Voodoo mm-hmm. so I decided to, to play it and then I uh, I had to rewatch Rushmore and I had already wa- rewatched this one. So Royal Tenenbaums, I've seen three times total, counting today. Um, so I haven't had as much, like, I haven't been able to see it enough times to where, like, I can <laughs> know all the little, uh, like, intricate details of it. I've noticed a few things here and there. But it's something that it's it's so filled with with little things that I know you guys, every time you guys watch it, you guys still see the new, like, something new. Mm-hmm. in it um but yeah i and this is something that i've always thought about what like thinking about this episode when we we're gonna do it because i'm my favorite movie by wes has always been moonrise which i know is like <laughs> bottom of the barrel for you guys and uh, it's not the bottom for me but uh no. i i know that's a popular opinion <laughs> but yeah i don't know that's the movie that introduced me to us it was on netflix and i had really just started uh diving into the criterion movies and i was like I- i've heard about this west guy i'm gonna give it a look and i the first time i watched that i didn't get it i got like halfway through and i'm like oh, i don't know what's going on 
But then I rewatched it and I fell in love with it. And through there, I, I blind bought the Royal Tenenbaums on DVD. And then I bought Grand Budapest. So both of those I bought blind just based on like the reviews I'd right. seen. Mm-hmm. And both of them like immediately upon first viewing, I was like, I love this stuff. And then everything after that has kind of fallen under those three movies. Um, but yeah, I think really it was the order I watched it in. Cause I watched Moonrise, then I watched Grand Budapest, then I watched Royal Tenenbaums. Right. So, but really Grand Budapest and Royal Tenenbaums can kind of switch. Cause to me, they're both second and third place. Like they're just, you know, fighting for that second place in my opinion. But I know this is you guys like favorite. Is your your guy's favorite, Wes? Or uh, I would say in my I think this is his best. Uh, yeah. I still have a soft spot for uh, Life Aquatic. I that's probably mm-hmm. my favorite, but I I think I can uh, acknowledge that I think Royal Tenenbaums is his best. Yeah, you know, so like that's like Life Aquatic is like I'm always amazed at how unpopular that movie is. People don't like that movie. Yeah. It, it's crazy. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't get that at all because like again another uh, having a a really great soundtrack goes a long distance for me. Um, like mm-hmm. I just would always just like that movie's got like it's, it was a uh, Sue George uh, covers of David Bowie, or I think are just amazing. There's that, and uh, Sigur Ross is in there. Yes, yeah, the yeah. band, yeah, the Icelandic and, band. And um, oh god, uh, the zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. oh, it's no, got a great song. sound. And yeah. then uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh god damn! <laughs> Far yeah. away, brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. One of his best performances, <laughs> on par with, or it might be better than his uh, brief stint in Fishing with John. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that I I love that movie, and I don't know why people are so hard on it. It's. I, I can kind of like from my point of view, because the first time I watched it, I honestly I I hated it, and mm-hmm. I guess it's because with Moonrise Kingdom, I have a friend who looks like the kid from Moonrise Kingdom, so I kind of connected my friend to that kid. And so I had like a personal connection to Moonrise, which yeah, Moonrise. That movie, but <laughs> have, have you watched? Yeah, uh, per, per, he gets uh, mad about that. Getting also ahead of ourselves. He looks like uh, Syndrome from The Incredibles, with, 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 <laughs> which uh, he gets mad about. With Moonrise Kingdom, uh, have you have you watched uh, Godard's uh, Perot Le Fou yet? I can't remember if you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen it. Uh, I think I watched it in parts, but I finished it because those movies kind of link up. If that, if, mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, I've always. Yeah, yeah, I see, I see the parallels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what was I saying? Oh, with uh, the the aquatic life, I guess something about the first time I watched. I've had this problem with with the Coen Brothers too, where the first time I watched their movies, the first time I watched Fargo or Big Lebowski, I kind of saw it based on like the genre that I had seen it in. Like, say, you know, you walk into the well, you, you look on the genre stuff in Netflix, horror, and there's always movies like movies by Wes Anderson and the Coen brothers can't really be put into one genre. Right. Mm-hmm. But when I'd find them, I'd find them based on their genre. So I'd go by that genre. So when I watched uh, Moonrise Kingdom for the first time or Life Aquatic and then uh, with Fargo, like I didn't see them as comedies. No, I, I didn't see Fargo as a comedy because I thought it was a, a crime, whatever, based on the genre it was placed in. 
And then with Moonrise, I thought it was a comedy because of the genre it was placed in. And then I watched it, and I'm like, I don't find it funny. Mm-hmm. And like with Fargo, it's like, uh, I don't see why they're acting all weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then after I kind of looked into it and, and kind of realized, okay, I can't, I can't keep doing this going by genres because there's no way to contain them by genre. And I just watched it as it is, and I love it. So Fargo now is like a, for me, it's still a four and a half because of that initial setback. But stuff like Moonrise and Life Aquatic, I really bumped up there mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. after I pushed aside the idea that they're genre movies, uh, it just everything like fell into place, and I could see it as is, as it is, as it was meant to be seen. Right, and that helped me. So Life Aquatic was really. Before I'd seen Bottle Rocket, which I think is my lowest one, um, which still isn't bad because it's yeah. still like a four-star movie, but Life Aquatic was my lowest just because I didn't feel I could connect to Bill Murray's, Bill Murray's characters or any of the other characters in any way. I felt they were all just really stuck up and kind of <laughs> annoying, which I've seen in the reviews. But then you, when I... What's that? I was going to say, do you not have a personal connection to uh, submarine exploring like, <laughs> explorations or Jacques Cousteau? I mean, come yeah, on. I feel that like in my daily life is it's it's so me. Sorry, I, I cut know. you off. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I also. OK, so this is going to be something that Jared might not like, but. Me and my family, like my whole family, my mom, my brothers, I think even my dad, but he's kind of 50-50 on it. We all, for no real reason, hate Owen Wilson. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot something, of people I hate for no reason. <laughs> there's something about his face that just none of us like. So it's, my it's mom that broken nose. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It might be because I mean, everybody's fine with Luke Wilson and. uh even his the other brother that was in Rushmore as like the the gym teacher, like mm. they're all fine. But my mom was walking by as I was watching this movie, and so Owen Wilson hadn't come up yet, and she's just looking at it and kind of listening, and she's like, "What's with this dialogue? Why are they talking so weird, so awkward?" And then Owen Wilson comes up, and she just walked away without saying <laughs> anything. <laughs> so that's the kind of that's the kind of relationship my family has with Owen Wilson. <laughs> So, because he's super southern guy in Life Aquatic, that already kind of, like, that's a half star off, at least. <laughs> yeah, Kentuckian? <laughs> I don't know what he is. It's frustrating. I don't like southern accents, and it sucks because I live here in Georgia, United States, home of the the south, southern accent. Mm-hmm. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, my second watch, I looked past that. I was like, okay, forget what i feel about owen wilson's face or even about like how i felt about the characters before i'm just gonna try to watch it um you know like wes anderson probably would have wanted us to just don't judge (laughs) i don't know i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) i just liked it a lot more (laughs) yeah um all right and uh yeah that's about all I got for that. RJ. <laughs> Life Aquatic. By the way, are you done on or, uh, or yeah. Cannonball's Frank, or was that just on Life Aquatic? I, I don't know. We got sidetracked. Yeah. Uh, well, with Royal Tenenbaums, there's... I was watching the behind-the-scenes 
uh, for a little while. And just the things like he puts in new he's they're like model remodeling the apartment yeah mm-hmm. and they're putting in this carpet with like the zigzag colors and stuff and just the backgrounds that are all like drawn by anderson's brother yeah Eric. and they just have them <laughs> yeah put up on the walls and stuff and there's just so much detail to everything there's that painting like, there's like a, a painting of margo that's like it's, mm. it's so awesome. It's like her looking up, and it's always like this idea that he's like a is like always oh, a failed painter. Like the painting's never really sold. And I'm just like, <laughs> fuck, I I take any one of those. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I, I'm I'm okay with this. I, I like this uh, this area. How would you pay for those on the internet safely? How would I pay for them? PayPal. It was a it was a PayPal. See, Frank got it. I know RJ doesn't have PayPal, so I'm like, what are you talking about? You don't know anything about this. <laughs> No one uses that broken ass old technology. Yeah, you're all betting <laughs> cryptocurrency. I know. Yeah, yeah. Hit me up with your garlic coins. Yeah. Anyway, Frank. <laughs> um, my my last thing. I was always wondering, like, she has a fake finger. So why doesn't she like hide a cigarette in there if she's so secretive about, you know, like? <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe she did. <laughs> yeah, we we never know. It doesn't show in the movie. It'd be... She, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of like how big a cigarette is compared to a, a finger. It'd be tight. That's true. It'd be tight. Uh, it, it, maybe it for you, like... you stumpy-handed little weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, actually, I had a professor at university once who would smoke. Um, he was like, he was big on how he went to Europe all the time, and he would smoke these European cigarettes. And I swear to God, these darts were like a foot and a half long. And in between, like, the three-hour classes, he'd always go outside for a smoke. And we would just, like, I would see him. And it, it was it was ludicrously big. It was common. <laughs> That's how huge his fucking thing was. So you, she couldn't have one of those. It's know. more for show than anything else, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And But, I mean, smoking looks cool on film, right? Because, I mean, that's what Margot is all about. She just looks cool all the time. She has the big for coats and the cigarette and the fake finger and the heavy uh, eyeliner. I, I don't know why that <laughs> that's always been like Well, she looks like a, she, she she looks like a rock star cuz like uh, her look was modeled after Nico, who's the singer of those songs that you uh mentioned that you liked uh these oh. days, the other one that's Nico who uh di- died tragically of like a brain aneurysm or something like that while riding a bicycle back in like 1986, I think. So I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if, okay, last thing, and then I guess we'll pass it to RJ because RJ hasn't talked pass about him the anything yet. It's okay. Yeah. People don't care what I what my opinion is. <laughs> um, I feel like Ben Stiller is the only out of place guy, which now that I think about it, it's weird how a lot of these actors after this movie never came back to work with Anderson because – Gene Hackman, uh, was, well, Ben Stiller. It. Well, Ben Stiller worked with him again. Uh... Gwyneth Paltrow. No, L- Luke Who Wilson hasn't about? come back. But actors that are in this movie never come back to work with Wes Anderson. Yeah, like oh. people well, always Owen say Wilson that. Did, but that was the last time that they worked together. But then, what about Danny Glover? Mm-mm. No, he didn't no. come back, right? Pagoda. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Pagoda, Seymour <laughs> Cassell. Uh, and then Alec Baldwin big, big never... Bill. Big Bill. Mm. Yeah. 
don't but worry, I feel like there's there's more actors that like never came back to work on another Anderson movie and, and than no, there are those that did. And there's no Jason Schwartzman here either. Actually, I think I heard his voice. Um when when they're showing the the scene of uh uh Luke Wilson's character just completely giving up oh, during the tennis right. match. Yes, yeah, you're right. He gets him and own mm-hmm. it's own Wilson and, and Jason and Schwartzman, Wilson. yeah. 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 But but that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of these actors don't come back mm-hmm. in this movie, from this movie specifically. Um but yeah, I felt like Ben Stiller's character well, I mean his his I acting. Of, I kind of wonder which, if that was like a concession, though, to like get this movie made, because it's like he wanted to have he had to have stars, and so he was like, "Who could I get to get this thing done the way that?" Because it's like Disney money or whatever. Um, so it's not that these actors didn't want to come back; it's that he just didn't want them back because he only needed them the one time. What? <laughs> maybe, like maybe, or like they're just not available. Because I think even like getting uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Stiller together at the same time to make this was like a tight shoot. Like that was. Like, oh yeah. So I mean, like they had to like get their dates together. I think I read that somewhere. In two thousand one, maybe. Now he could probably get them back real easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Goop is in the way, I guess, and whatever. Whatever Ben still does. Are you guys does. talking about Goop over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I had. I didn't have any follow no. up to that. Hey RJ. I guess uh, the conch. <laughs> RJ. The conch what? goes to you. Uh, why? Why do you hate this movie? Because I hate things that are good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, you want to hear some some crazy stuff? I think this has come up before. Uh, but so for the Oscars in 2001, Jarrett, Royal Tenenbaums was nominated. This was actually a pretty bomb fucking year for movies. So I'm not surprised that it didn't uh, win more. I'm surprised it wasn't nominated for more. But it, competing in the best uh, original screenplays were Monsters Ball, uh, oh. Emily memento and then the winner was gosford park <laughs> robert like, oldman that's yeah. It was, yeah so when that's... i said good year uh some of the other movies this year that were nominated let's look at best director i saw every single one of those movies nominated yeah uh those ones and then uh are peter jackson with the unanimously best of the trilogy uh the fellowship of the ring uh we also have mr david lynch from Mulholland Drive. Yeah, Mulholland Drive. Uh, and then Jarrett's favorite movie, Moulin Rouge, was nominated for Best Picture. Boom! Yeah. Anyways, I just thought I'd mention that. 2001 oh, was a pretty good year. Yeah, it had some good stuff. So you want me to talk about this movie, huh? Yep. What is there to say that you haven't said already? Um, this movie is awesome. Uh, it's like I said, I think it is his best uh in my opinion i think it's his best movie it's kind of like uh to say something really dumb and stupid it's like the greatest hits of wes anderson because i think it's all his best parts but not a lot of his worst or his bad qualities that he puts in movies sometimes um i think that it's never like it's never too much or excessive uh and i think that comes out in a few ways so i know like what you were saying where he still has a foot in reality. Like, I think that really does ground it um, and make the story more, like, you can invest more into it, where his other ones, they do have that quality to them where it's, it's like, larger than life almost because it's it's so decadent. Like, Grand Budapest, I think, is so... Like, not that it's over the top, but 
it is when you're watching it, you're like, this is this is like make believe. This is a fairy tale. And it kind of I think it it kind of restricts how much you can get into it. Uh, for me, it does at least where this one, I think it is. It definitely has a lot of fairy tale qualities. Um, the one that I like the most, I think, is uh, uh, the mouses as like chapter bookends or chapter markers for the movie where like whenever they do the new chapter in the book uh, and then there's they have that sequence but then they also have the setups in between scenes where it's it's like the the dalmatian mice kind of moving around right. one of the the sets and that's where that's where the story is going then. well it, it feels like a kid's story like it's like it's yeah, such a strange yeah. thing when it's like this movie that is like they've it kind of has like a children's story vibe to it but it's not <laughs> it's like a children's yeah. story for adults yeah exactly so there is there's that quality to it that i really like um and there's certain themes that i think uh this movie really shines for uh so i think the best way i could put it is um boss and renewal because like you mentioned already before there's the character deaths like uh like that we don't see it's the be pre before the movie character deaths that they're all still dealing with. Uh, and they're like all kind of trying to find a way to work around that. And then there's the renewal in a sense where I think a lot of them, they're moving through what they're going through. And each character has a different way of that, like w how they develop within the time of the movie, like Margot, coming out and like showing some of her qualities uh richie his very obvious like development and transition um evi's acceptance of or like recognition of what he like his uh substance abuse so there's like that and then i think there's also the very literal like coming home that they all have where that's kind of a renewal in itself where they all kind of fall back into comfortable things. Um, so I, re I really like those themes. I think those are really good. Uh, and then there's, there's a few things that I think are just, there's, they're so well done that, uh, it's, it's, it's impossible. Like I can't even describe, um, um, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, it, they're, they're just, they're so good. Like, I think the bathroom scene uh, is the really obvious one. And I think for certain reasons, um, because like the emotional weight, like the Luke Wilson bathroom scene, there's the emotional weight, but then there's also things like how it's edited together. And then I really like the the use of colors in there uh, because the whole movie is so vibrant. <laughs> and then it goes to and blue. Then, <laughs> yeah, it just goes to like blue and it's like saturated colors. And you're just like, oh, <gasps> yeah, something's, something's changing. So that's suicide scene, right? Like I remember like mm -hmm. when this movie came out, I was like pushing this thing on people. Like you got to watch Royal Bombs. <laughs> you have to watch this movie. It's amazing. Um, and then like I remember like my sister and other people, like they would get to that suicide mm -hmm. scene and they were like freaked out by it like because they're like whoa is that a dream sequence and then no shit he just tried to kill himself like they're like really mm -hmm. thrown off because it's it gets this like elliptical editing style and it's like very mm -hmm. loose and like the, that music and it's like at that point i mean elliot smith hadn't killed himself uh in a bathroom <laughs> uh with like a kitchen knife uh, allegedly. allegedly and uh -huh. um so it's like this really intense thing and it always is like, Oh God damn. Like they nail that. And like, I've read like people's like anecdotes about like how 
for people who've actually tried killing themselves, like how hard that scene is to watch because it really reflects like how it just happens. It just hits a person and it, it, it feels genuine. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like that level of disturbance. Plus it's like the blood, like all over the floor. And then like, it kind of like cuts back to like Wes Anderson mode. And then mm-hmm. it's like the camera kind of pans as Dudley comes in. And then you get like the, the silent Dudley scream with no music. Yeah. It's just like, it's really like effective. Yeah. It's, it's super effective. And that's what I mean. Like the sound in, in that scene is so spot on and they're just covered uh, yeah and then when they're going through the hospital and like covered mm-hmm. in like bill murray's just spattered in blood and he's got like the kind of bill murray no cell face running through um and it's just like yeah 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 no it's like that seems great there's i don't know there there are a few things that compare to that so um and there's all the very obvious things, like I was saying, where like with his development, because that whole scene is like his like transformation or like his metamorphosis into like something else or he's moving through something. And it's very literal with how he how he prepares himself for it. But then it's also figurative and what he's doing. So because like so many it, of the character, like all the uh, kids, like they basically have all like they're the same as when they were little, like they're still dressing mm-hmm. the same way. And like, he's still dressing as like the, a tennis player for like the last 30 years of his life. And that's the point where he, <laughs> he, he transforms out of that. And now yep. he's like, kind of like reborn out of his, uh, attempted suicide, which is kind of like a dramatic thing. But then like, he's always like, he doesn't change that much as a person though. Like, it's just like, he's getting his priorities mm-hmm. straight and both like, he's not able to do what he was doing. And then like, he has, he does that cause he's like backing down from, the inability to tell Margot how he feels, even though Margot knows like the, the yep. cat's out of the bag and he still can't do anything about it. And so I have to kill myself. And then he survives and it's like, he gets, he's given a second chance and uh, it's still kind of left in this nebulous place. And he's still kind of like this free floater kind of like character. Who's like always trying to keep everybody together and talking, mm-hmm. um, which is like this thankless task. Um, kind of like also like his like the mother like angelica houston's character mm-hmm. who like we, we've really yeah, barely so talked we, we've barely talked about her at all um because okay. like because she's like her and like henry are kind of like the impetus for like kind of everything that continues mm-hmm. on from that point um before you get into it i just gotta say i think angelica houston is like the the pinnacle of like momdom for movies <laughs> because there's so many like she she's amazing in everything she does but uh i think I don't know if I've ever talked about it before, but I hate her. One, in, I hate her in Darjeeling Limited, though. I, I oh, that's that's yeah, fine. Yeah, uh, that's fine. I I I think she's she's awesome, like in The Witches and um in this. But the one thing that always, whenever I see Angelica Houston, it just makes me think of a Fifty Fifty. Did you ever watch Fifty Fifty, Jarrett? No. With uh, Jarrett Joseph Gordon Levitt. <laughs> I've seen it. That's that's a good movie. Yeah, I Yeah. So I actually I really like that movie, and there's she is in that and she plays her role like so fucking good you feel so bad for her in that thing because she's like the mom trying to help but like can't there's a scene in that movie Jared, where joseph gordon lovett's really scared and he calls for her and it's just like man if you don't c- cry Jared, you're a real piece of shit <laughs> so do you have anything else to say about angelica houston i have like one more no and then i'm done uh i love uh 
there's like she has like very small scenes compared to like Gene Hackman in this. I guess mm. they didn't. Uh, another trivia fact: they did not get along. I guess uh, oh, on, good. on set, I believe she slapped him real hard at one point. But um, there's like the thing where it's like after a uh, uh, royal like no sells Margot's play, mm. <laughs> and she says good night on her birthday and she goes to her room and Angelica's like coming out with like the uh the cake. The, the cake and she like sees <laughs> her daughter leaving and just stares at her husband just like you fucking piece of garbage <laughs> <laughs> she's the best she's she's wicked I like Angelica yeah. Houston a lot so two things Jared before I go <laughs> one Wes Anderson hates dogs uh, I don't mm. care if he made a movie that's called I love dogs yeah he hates mm. them why does he kill the dog in every movie but that's why he made I Love Dogs, to make up for that dog hate in the past. It's possible. <laughs> but then again, like, those dogs end up with, like, missing limbs and stuck on a trash island. And, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wes Anderson hates dogs. He's a weirdo. Oh, but also, I discovered something more horrifying, which I'm sure you both knew already. Oh, I actually, because but... uh, I saw you alluded to this on your review, and I was like, what is he talking about? And then I was, like, doing a little bit of a... Uh, uh quote-unquote research for the this mm-hmm. as uh, we were getting ready to record and i was like reading this thing about the the fate of mordecai, mordecai. the first mordecai the hawk so mm-hmm. i had never knew this before apparently uh wes anderson said that you shouldn't fly uh birds in new york city it's very difficult and he doesn't recommend it so what happened was halfway through filming this movie they flew mordecai off and he never came back and somehow some fucking guy kidnapped this bird, yeah. knew that it was a Hollywood movie bird, ransomed the production company to get said bird back, and Wes Anderson and company just said, yeah, we'll just get a new hawk. And then they just proceeded and they wrote it into the movie. I have so many fucking questions about this. <laughs> yeah, How kidding. did that fucking guy, first of all, get trap this hawk Second of all, how did he know it was a showbiz hawk? Third, what was his plan in Ransom? Which, I mean, you would have, his plan was for them to pay, I guess. But what happened to Mordecai afterwards? And also, Wes Anderson and company, it's like, what would, what did that guy want? Like, a hundred bucks or something? Just go pay that guy and get that fucking bird back. He might have wanted, like, a fortune. Like, he, I mean, like, he might have wanted, like, I want $25,000. And they're just like, No. Like, it's not <laughs> worth it. It's like, because well, what, what, what are they, they like, going to do? I mean, like, at the end of the day, I guess they assume, like, well, they're just, like, we don't pay him. He's just going to let the bird go, I guess. Or, like, keep, yeah, like, keep it. But it's weird. Like, but it's like, when the police get involved, isn't this, like, property theft? Like, even if it's like, well, I mean, yeah. in this world, animals are just property, right? But, so but it's then like, they it, did give up on it. Yeah. So. I don't, yeah, it's, it's, that's a baffling <laughs> so uh, tale. Because. He might have not come up with the idea for the ransom until he saw like this giant crew of people all running after him over the hawk. <laughs> so it's like... that bird. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, anyways, I just wanted to say that that is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Um, I guess one last thing uh, that I, I was thinking about when you were saying like talking about the themes of the movie mm-hmm. which is something that okay I forced my little brother to watch this with me because yesterday he forced me to watch a Kevin Hart uh, stand up good. Uh, which I hate but whatever I did it for him so he had to do this one for me and so we're watching it and in the first like 10 minutes he was like why are the kids acting like that and I just kind of 
I, I told him, I was like, okay, so in this movie, basically, children are adults and mm-hmm. adults are children. And so the more I, I think about it now, it's like, it's, it's true. All these adults are basically just yeah. big kids. Like they, but Real when they were kids, <laughs> yeah, when they're, when they're kids, they're all adults with their own businesses and they peak at that young age of like nine. Just like <laughs> and us. Then it's all, yeah, then it's all just downhill from there. That's a really good point. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like the Baylog dynasty. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we do other things. But but there were such higher hopes for you all. Well, you guys, for the kids. Uh, capture hawks from people's uh, film sets and we, we, not we, recently, we, but we there uh, down in down in the country stuff. there is a, a hawk infestation and uh, they dive bomb your head. And you gotta be careful because those fucking talons will go right in your head. You gotta, you gotta be on edge. I'm not even. I'm not making that up. I'm being 100 percent serious. <laughs> hey, Jared, oh, uh, you, you know what? I was really surprised at your favorite line wasn't. Uh, you made a cuckold out of me. Oh, I took a, I took a photo of it. I don't believe me. Put that because, up on because, the Instagram, it's, it's, baby. It's, it's, it's part of the uh, Criterion Cuckold collection. Uh, where that, it like, is. it's like how often that word pops up. <laughs> it's like, huh, there it is again. <laughs> There it is again. Beta yeah. cocks coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bill. Um, I guess a- another little thing is just how people just look out the windows and just always happen to see something in this movie. Like uh, Royal seeing uh, oh Owen God. Wilson's character and just how uh, uh, whenever... Uh, what's his name? Whenever Luke Wilson comes home, everybody's outside except for, uh, for Chaz, for... Uh, <laughs> he's just up there looking at him down like looking, up from the window yeah. stuff like that oh my god yeah the, uh, <laughs> the, the shot of owen wilson looking up as uh yeah another uh brilliant line that i've thought about like forever uh i know you asshole and uh and owen wilson looks up and just the hand up to the sky he just <laughs> Fuck, I, I, that that is the episode image uh, if you just for yeah. a heads up, uh, there's too much to talk about. With there's this some, movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've got, see, I've got, I just realized, I'm like, oh, there's all the things I've got here. Like, there's all like the callousness of Royal Tenenbaum, and like, <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and just like his relationship with Chaz, which I mean, I that's like an entire movie in itself. Like that that whole mm-hmm. fun, the dynamic of him trying to like win back his son, who he's treated like garbage. But then he's like talking about his like, uh, well, yeah, we got someone buried in there too. Oh, who? It's like, it's like my my <laughs> wife. And he's like, oh yeah, we, we can swing by there too. And then like when they're at the grave, he's like, oh we got another body around here to go <laughs> check out or whatever. It's just like Jesus. he just picks up the flowers yeah. from his own mother's grave. Yeah, he's like here, take this. Yeah, such a. I love oh. it. I dig it, man. It's real. Yeah. Uh, but some other notes here. Uh, we got those like sweet '70s zooms. Where the camera oh, just goes, yeah. the hard camera smash, like that—that mm-hmm. uh, that is like stuck in my mind. Like when it's uh, when Royals yeah, yelling at his grandkids, and it like yeah. smashes on him, and then it cuts back to them like getting being uh, called to attention on the like uh, the monkey bars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good, um, and yeah. So have either of you read J.D. Salinger novels? I have read uh, Catcher in the Rye. Okay, and uh, mm-hmm. Frank. Mm-mm. No. I don't read books. I'm too young, man. <laughs> so you should have read. The only one I've read, Jared, is Catcher, and I think I was too old. I read it when I was like 26 or something, and I was like, I'm not on board with this shitty ass teenager. So I think that's uh, <laughs> what everyone says is like, it's like, well, yeah, it's a coming of age thing. When you're uh, when you're young, you really relate to it. And I was like, eh, I don't know. 
Well, see, that's, like, uh, that's that, my hot take. That, well, I mean, whatever. I'm not going to, I don't think that of that book very yeah. often. Uh, other mm-hmm. than like, uh, old uh, Holden Caulfield is like a real sad bastard. But yeah. uh, there is uh, the, the, the Glass family, uh, which are like this, like, this group of characters that Salinger wrote about, uh, particularly Franny and Zoe. Um, th- mm-hmm. That is like like the most Wes Anderson stuff around. Uh, I think actually, Frank, you might really like uh, that book. I think you should check it out. I, th- I think it might fit <laughs> into your aesthetics of uh, Wong Kar Wai and Wes Anderson stuff. I think this might fit right into that. I also like Terrence Malick and Tarkovsky. So uh, hey, I'm t- well. You should yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> read. Give, uh, give it a give it a sign out from the library. Read that uh, Franny and Zoe. At least the fir- the first story in it is really good, uh, and you might be All really. Right. I'll you- see if I can get. I'll see if I can get past the hobos that have been uh, taking over the library <laughs> That's a, and see if I can find the book. <laughs> well, even a secondhand store, I'm sure, will uh, cover you. You live in a university town. I'm sure it's like yep. in an English That's department true. somewhere. Um, another note here. Uh, Wes Anderson said the Dalmatian mice that populate the house had their spots applied using a Sharpie. Animal and he, abuse. And he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't know if that's illegal. It's like all he has to say about that in the, comment, in the uh, commentary track. It's I don't. Like, I don't think it's illegal, but uh, I think it's definitely something that would is probably frowned upon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, like uh, adopted uh, family get falling in love with <laughs> well, i don't know dude you live in georgia you tell us oh okay but Chief Trust. Or that, that's, Bama. that's the next this is the thing over, over here it, it one it's not it's not i don't, I don't know you i don't live in athens have to that. that's fine i was just <laughs> making a joke <laughs> i live in athens it's not as uh it's not as big here we'll just say that <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's it's, let's, let's just all agree that jokes are fun and everyone's having a good time, right? Yeah. yeah so let's not even uh, do the bad reviews because. Uh, oh no, that's know, we all love this jokes. movie. Okay. Well, I got I got two more points to make, and then we'll go to that segment. Um, so no. uh, so two two. This I could go along with like favorite quote, whatever. But like favorite scene, like moment, like kind of like wow, like that is so fucking good. Um, I have two. Uh, number one is uh, when Royal sang these last couple of weeks are the happiest time of his whole life. And then we get Alec then. Baldwin's voice <laughs> informing us that he, upon saying that, he realized it was true. That is, like, <laughs> so amazing. Like, uh, Hackman's face. Because it's like he would have been told, oh, yeah, then this is going to happen. And then you, you realize yeah. after you say that, you do that. And then when Alec Baldwin's there to tell you that, because Alec Baldwin's voice, it's, like, it's phenomenal. Like, he's it's, so, it's such a great uh, use of him. Uh, and then the the other bit that like I just think is like so well done is just like the uh, Margot and Richie in the tent listening to the Rolling Stones that whole exchange. Um, it's like I I love that like because it's like they're like they're that crossroads of being little kids but they're adults like because they're they're in the tent they're just like when they were hiding out and they're listening to their old records and they're trying to like. F- figure out their emotions and it's just like i don't know it plays out so sweetly and sadly i uh mm-hmm. I, I think that scene's just like so well done and they, they never really go back to that moment like they, it's it's kind of unresolved right um like because the movie the movie plays it's out with in the air 
we it's like kind of like bittersweet and a lot of the movie is like kind of finishes off on these bittersweet moments i mean uh we get like ethylene and uh henry's like marriage we get them mm-hmm. they get married and then uh and then shortly after uh royal in fact dies with uh chaz who we just started having a relationship with again that's awesome and then you get the the big the big final like all the west anderson tropes we have like the big chase scene with like kind of like um um like that big thumbbring uh dumb uh drum music like the big chase of mm-hmm. Ben Stiller chasing uh Owen and then uh we get the slow motion final shot of all the characters exiting out that kind of denouement thing very Wes Anderson but uh yeah this movie is uh, amazing <laughs> and we're gonna hear now from the people who hate this movie oh, hey, Jared, <laughs> before what, what, you do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know how you're talking about influences yeah so there was something I never realized before and then after because like I was just looking around at this thing, and then someone I saw the mention of it, and I was like, "Oh wait, wait a minute!" Because I was looking at um influences for this movie and like movies that people were talking about. So Magnificent Ambersons was an yep. obvious one. Where I remember in that episode, people gave me shit for not liking those characters. <laughs> Fuck those characters. Those guys were assholes. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. They're all likable. Even Gene. Ha- yeah. <laughs> like I said, Gene Hackman's like a huge, lovable huge fucking prick. Lovable. And he's totally lovable. Yeah. So I, I think I, yeah. I'm on the, uh, oh, the right side of history this, on that. This movie's so but, much better than that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Question. So when Suck I. Suck it, Orson. Yeah. When I came across the other uh, influence was like that lay cu- uh, infant terrible, that French like mm-hmm. cousins in love movie. I saw the thing where it was like, this is also an arrested development. Yeah. And then it was something uh, I saw the line where uh, Mitchell Hurwitz, Hurwitz was like, saw uh, this movie. He saw this movie and then was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't make that TV show. He's like, oh, whatever. I'll make it anyways. And then I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like I was like, I guess there is a family. lot of connections. Yeah, yeah. And then when, I, when we watched this this week, I was like, holy fuck. I was like, this is just Arrested Development. Like or like Arrested Development is Royal Tenenbaums. Like for so many, like so many of the characters fit in the same roles. And then even the influence of that movie, like that, that movie, that French movie is a plot point in Arrested Development. Yes. And I was just like, Oh, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. And anyways, I was just, I, uh, good that call. was one good thing call I watched. Mention that. Yeah. I was watching that this week and I was like, Holy shit. I was like, did Mitchell Hurwitz, did he write Arrested Development after watching this movie? Yeah. Or is it like the most cosmic fucking alliance? Uh, they they alliance. say that, well, he says he had the idea and then yeah. he watched this and he went, oh, what the hell's the point? And then they still wound up, wound up doing it a few years <laughs> later. But, okay. uh, oh, oh, so the other thing I'll mention too is like, so this movie's like, what, an hour and 50 minutes? It, mm-hmm. it fucking yeah. just flies. Like it is, yeah. it is such a pleasure to watch. It feels like you're watching like a, hour-long pilot and like it's just like oh it's over already like my god like i didn't even think about like checking my watch it's just so easy to watch and very few movies that we've watched like i could really say that about like in the collection like usually you're like oh what time is it it's like this movie just does not have that Mm -hmm. but hey who who hates so i i'm I'm gonna ignore a lot of the half star people because they're just dipshits i'm gonna get to like someone who actually wrote something of note and we'll get mm-hmm. we'll address it. Uh, ben Lott, RJ, for you to... Ben Lott? Ben okay. Lott, one star. 
More than 15 years ago, I distinctly remember how my wife and I went to the theater after seeing a trailer that made us think the Royal Tenenbaums was going to be a great laugh-out-loud trip to the movies. Needless to say, we were a little surprised and frustrated with what we saw. I wanted to get up and leave. But it's years down the road. I'm more knowledgeable about movies now, and my tastes have broadened. Plus, I've seen some other Wes Anderson movies, and I get him now and understand what to expect out of his stuff. The problem? I'm wrong. I don't get Wes Anderson at all. His humor continues to be flat for me. His style, while meticulously detailed in every single visual, does nothing for me. His movies feel like they are capturing the lies of an alien race that has tried to emulate life on Earth, but they still haven't quite mastered human behavior yet. Most of the performances are emotionless and expressionless, so it's dreadfully hard to care about anyone in the film. But I never know with Wes Anderson's films if he's aiming to impact me in any kind of emotional way or if he just wants to show me a pretty picture. Every once in a while, one of the better actors in the Royal Tenenbaums, like Gene Hackman or Bill Murray, all men, uh, note, will slide some acting past Anderson's sterilization, and I get my hopes up. Maybe we'll have a real scene here, but hopes are quickly dashed when the camera flips back to Gwyneth Paltrow or a Wilson. There was a point about 30 minutes into the movie when I began clock watching. The movie is not painful to watch. I just lack any investment in the characters or their story, so I get bored. It looked good, but beauty is only skin deep. And beneath that beautiful Mm. facade is a whole bunch of bland. Speaking of skin deep, this guy's a real flavor of the month, basic B. Yeah, I mean, I'm saying that again for like the second week in a row. That's your gimmick. Dude gave five stars to fucking uh, Get Out, Thor Ragnarok, The Big Sick, Star Wars The Force Awakens. What are you talking about, buddy? Die Hard, Stardust. Like, I don't know, lots of Marvel things. But here's where I think I'm going to get both of you. Hey, Frank, you know what uh, Ben Watt gave a half a star to? Once upon a time in America, he also gave a half half star to Jared's favorite movie, 1941. We got some (laughs) other ones in here. Hoyen Sequatsi, which uh, these are half star review uh, ratings, by the way. Wow. Stalker. I just watched that, too. What? uh, Stalker. (laughs) uh, Boogie Nights, a half a star. Tree of Life. A half a star. Jared, you said you were going to pick somebody who's better than this. Well, this is the, the – I didn't even – see. I, I, I uh, don't look at those parts. That's RJ's one job that's that he my, on, on the whole podcast. Job. That's all he does is he does this. <laughs> yeah. But, so, like, oh, just to summarize, like, all the other half-star people on Letterboxd and whatever, they're, they're all in echo chamber of, like, hipster whimsy, I hate this shit, twee white people, I hate white people. Like, it's just, like, so boring. It's just, like, okay, everyone hates Wes Anderson. I get it. Um and then, uh, so actually, I found this one. Uh, this is on from Amazon.com. This is a two uh, two out of five star review for uh, the DVD from 2002. Uh, so who cares? Uh, but I just want to read this uh, from Wayne Klein, who is a top contributor uh, for classic rock music uh, reviews on Amazon. Sure. Hall of Fame, <laughs> top 500 reviewer. Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson clearly have watched Nashville, if not the entire body of work of Robert Altman. Altman's films have a hit-or-miss quality. They are either marvelous, inventive, and groundbreaking, or hopeless messes of full of art, full of arty pretense. Clearly, the latter group was an influence on Anderson and Wilson. 
It's pretentious and precious all at the same time. And the worst part is the makers of the film knowingly wink at his as if somehow will benefit by participating in this inside joke. Whatever merits Rushmore had, and it did have quite a few despite a stodgy structure and predictable, uninvolving central character, doesn't translate to this film. The cast are all very good, and it's clear why they took the roles. The characters are eccentric and rooted in their own corner of reality. That's the type of character that attracts Oscars and Academy attention come awards time. That's also the same problem with the film. It's a meandering mess full of predictable plot twists and outcomes. The cinematography is one of the few standouts in this boring mess. The selection of music also works to offset some of the tedium. This isn't a horrible film, just a self-important one. What's most disturbing is the way a lot of critics and audience members, usually those that feel they have to get the film, otherwise they're not cool, were sucked into this large, empty canvas. These are the same types of folks that would have gone to see Deep Throat in the 70s and pointed out its virtues. (laughs) So this movie's like pornography. Uh, It's a pity uh, as there are far more deserving films coming from independents that are virtually ignored. I'd recommend Rabbit Proof Fence instead of this meandering waste of time. By the way, in calling it a waste of time, I mean that as a compliment. What? (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That doesn't... He doesn't make any sense, Jarrett. I know. I know. A waste of time is a compliment. Come on, buddy. Come on, buddy. <sighs> here we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we are after that fucking depressing shit. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to pull a Luke Wilson while you were reading that. <laughs> wow. Like that wow. <laughs> what, 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 what happened to Owen Wilson? He uh he had a breakdown a while ago. Remember? But he but, but, he, but he's but he's never come and... back. Where where is he? He probably retired. And like Luke, Gene Hackman. They're all gone. They're all gone. Just West is left. They're all yeah yeah. The doomed Wilson family. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, that's it. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident that's it, Jarrett. Okay then. <laughs> um, after the break. Uh, RJ's going to die saving Frank and I from a sinking battleship. Um, yeah. Frank, was that worth 50 bucks? Um, no, not at all. No. This was a huge waste of my time. And uh, 
I don't think I'm coming back. Maybe. <laughs> Just like Are- that review that said it was a waste <laughs> of time, but it wasn't a waste of time. Obviously, I was heavily <laughs> influenced by this one review. It's a compliment. Very, very cryptic. No. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I've uh, I've really enjoyed myself this time. I think. Excellent. I don't care what you think, RJ. And you can email us at criterioncrease at gmail.com and tell us about how you don't care about RJ either. Bring it on, you fuckheads. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on the letterbox. Uh, I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf, I guess. And uh, Frank, you're like, what, Frank Solano, bunch of numbers, and Mono Kid or something? I don't know. I'm... If you if you follow RJ and Jerry, you'll find me. Yeah, he's on there. He's out there, in internet space. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, we're on YouTube. We've got a Patreon. Frank knows all about that, and you could too. Mm-hmm. You could be Frank, folks. You could be Frank. Yeah, I I highly recommend coming on the show. Like, just do it, guys. Don't wait for your episode to come. Just do it. The just next it. one. Just join us. Like, just do it. Come see these the past two. <laughs> These past it. two uh, episodes I've done, I-, I played it safe. I went with movies I've seen before that I knew were five star affairs for me. So the next one I'm gonna risk. I'm gonna take a little risk on it. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Maybe that one won't be as fun. But, uh, <laughs> I look forward we'll to the surprise. The, the blind. Bottom. You don't do this one, but someone should do Monterey Pop Festival because I know <laughs> Jared is gonna love that fucking thing. And it's only like I don't know, like two months away. Not even, I don't think. Not even, so. Hey, we're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, stuff like that. And next week, Frank won't be here. It'll just be me and Stinky RJ again, eating his onion rings. Spine 158. We're watching a play, RJ. Who boy? (laughs) But can, can, can even the wit of Oscar Wilde save us? It's the importance of being earnest from 1952, directed by Anthony Asquith. How many remakes of this fucking thing are there? Oh, there's probably many. Uh, Jareth. There's a 2002 one by your friend, Oliver Stone. No, that's not who did it. No. Oliver Parker. There you go. I don't know who that is. Exactly. Hellraiser. Shit. Who's this? I don't know what I'm talking about. Never mind. I'll figure this out by next week. I hope Parker did Hellraiser. Fuck my time. Othello. Uh, um, Dorian Gray. Oh, he's got a niche group there. Mm. Anyway, what are you talking about, Jared? I'm talking about (laughs) Goodnight. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh... (laughs) See you later.